Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we do not just report on French science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. No, no, no. We take part ourselves. Yes. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. I'm Ross Blotcher. And we've got some fun stuff in store today, but I think we should all just be happy to be alive right now. Boy, you said it. To be on this planet. Because... There were predictions that the rapture was supposed to happen. I can't believe these past I days. This. So actually, I can. My dog was in the ER. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but I'll that, tell you about that. That's right. That's coming up. So this is 2023, and both September 22nd and 23rd were getting passed around. But these predictions were very much related to the 2017 episode we did with Forerunner Ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was oh my God, was that six years ago? Yeah, and it Holy was moly. the same time of the year as well. It seems like it's often the end of the year and it's often the 21st. So I'm interested that this was a 22-23. Because it was tied to these celestial events of the the birth of the man-child, you know, like the positioning of the sun and Virgo and all of these really complicated extractions from the biblical narrative. Mm. People who are working really hard to like get all the numbers straight so that Jesus could come back. So as far as we can tell here on the 24th, that did not happen. Yeah, we're here. Well, maybe it did. How many Christians do you know? Uh, Well, my very religious sister was texting me yesterday, so... From... (laughs) <laughs> from earth okay did you ask i don't i don't know if they have cell Texting. coverage in heaven <laughs> I, hey are you in are you in heaven <laughs> ross is looking for his phone yeah, he's I'm, deciding whether I, to do it yeah i had this moment of like <laughs> wanting to text just say hey still around i need to verify and this. then realizing that was ridiculous well <laughs> I will I will report back mortified uh, next week yeah. if, if I was wrong on this and, and truly all my religious family did uh, get taken in the rapture. Yeah, great. Well, I have news too. Yes. Two pieces of stone news. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we've been waiting on at least one of these pieces of stone. So let me tell you about the new one. My dog Ella, almost 17 years old, middle of the night, starts yelping. I go and I get her. Her belly is completely distended. She doesn't want me to touch it. Drew runs in. We both don't know what's up. I take her to the vet. And the vet discovers that Ella has eaten a rock that's about the size of a quarter. A rock of unusual size. Yeah, you showed me the picture. And the size of a quarter and thicker. Yes, exactly. It looks like a guitar pick, but thick. There you go. And It's it a guitar had- thick. It blocked her belly, like right where the stomach meets the large intestine. It had blocked off that passageway. She is a tiny dog. She's Right now, she's like eight pounds. That is really bad. It was really bad. And it's amazing she didn't choke on this thing. Yeah. But anyway, the doctor was like, when this happens, often the foreign object has been there for months. If it got all the way past the throat and didn't choke the animal... It kind of sits there until it blocks something important. Okay. So they're like, she might have had this for months. So now I'm going back through our pet psychics. Uh-huh. And I'm like, someone could have told me. Good point. That she had a freaking rock in her stomach. If she did, we don't really know when she ate a fucking stone. What you doing, Ella? Ella. So don't Ella, if rocks. you're listening to this, please don't eat rocks. <laughs> Actually, all the dogs, all the dogs listening in all the cars, don't eat rocks. There's what are you doing? No nutrition there. There's no- <laughs> 
Exactly. I know so anyway, some, she's okay, though. Some animals use like tiny pebbles in their bodies to help them with digestion. But Oh, is it true? Not you, sense. dogs. Don't Birds, do it. Birds, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. I, I was saying it reminded me of a horror story we had when Andrew was little, our yeah. son. Yeah. And he had swallowed, well, we didn't know what was going on. All we knew is that he was crying. He was really upset. And he had this green chunk of something like at the top of his, uh, the roof of his mouth. And we were like trying to like pick at it. And we're like, was he even a top, maybe a toddler. But yeah, like we couldn't like dislodge it. And it kind of looked like sort of a clean shape. But we thought like, is this some infection or what is it? So we don't want to touch it too much. We take him into the hospital. Turns out it was the grate from a faucet, like the little tiny... Oh, that like almost metal, cheese metal, metal. Metal filter. Exactly. That's a very good description to keep uh, larger chunks from coming out. We still have no idea how it came out That's of the sink crazy. or how he got it in his mouth, but we were so glad that it didn't get farther. It, yeah, we were oh, like... Oh my goodness, that would have been unthinkable. Yeah, well, yeah, we were like, how did she not choke on this? Even if that was in her belly disrupting her health for eight months, that's better than what was more likely, which was her choking on yeah. it. Well, I'm sure many listeners are very happy to hear that Ella's yeah, she's doing, doing okay. Good. She's home, she's doing better. And I have other rock news. Yeah, any other obstructions in people you love with rocks? Yes, let me get our special guest, oh, Drew. Okay, Drew's going to share my microphone. What's good? Let's hear more about this uh, kidney stone situation. I passed the kidney stone uh, this Thursday. Um, I have the uh, plastic bag. I put it in for inspection. Oh, this Um, has been a long road. It really has been. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, much smaller than Ella's stone, I I, I must say. Thank, uh, thank goodness. But, uh, but yeah. big and jagged. I don't know. It looks like... It's very jagged. I think a stone really to me implies like a smoothness, and this is anything but... I'm trying to think what state it looks like. It's like part of Michigan. <laughs> what was it? Four millimeters? So I don't know what size it was when I passed it. Originally, it was six millimeters. I, I don't think we talked about this on mic, but you and I and your family graciously took me to Disneyland so we could try to do it on the big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, and uh, you went on it three times. I went on it three times. I went on Matterhorn, which was I also felt like very jumbly. Oh, yeah. One time. If you want to get shook up, Matterhorn's the that way to go. That's wild. It feels wild being on that. <laughs> like, um, this can't be according yeah, to code. Yeah, uh, I spent yeah most of that day just like going on those rides. And I did feel some movement. And ultimately, then like a week later, I had my next CAT scan. And they said, okay, it's... Now 4.5 millimeters, but it had made it halfway down my ureter. Um, but they were like, like we would probably think that at this point it's been a month. You should, we should probably talk about surgery. And I, because I just didn't want surgery, and also I wasn't feeling pain at this point, said, let's kick it down the road. And then maybe two and a half weeks later, I started having the classic worst pain of your life that people love to talk about for um, kidney pain. I was like, let's go to the ER. They're doing triage, and I, I'm not in life-threatening danger, but it took me, you know, around probably seven hours or so Ooh. to get in. During that time, I barfed all over myself. Oh, no. Uh, they gave me, they, they said, well, you know, we're scheduling these surgeries pretty far in advance, so it's not going to happen, you know, in the next couple of days. We'll call you. Oh, no. Um, and they gave me painkillers and stuff like that. I uh, went home. And then the pain subsided again, and then for a 
couple of days I had a, not pain, but kind of a localized sensation in my bladder where I was like, maybe it's in the bladder. And then it's very weird because it's just like, I kind of intuited right before I went to the restroom. I was like, oh, this feels a little different. And passing it itself, I would say, does not feel any um, more painful than if you have been bad at drinking water and chose to drink a bunch of coffee. Mm. If you've ever had that experience while urinating. Uh, and then I plucked it out of the urinal with a paper towel and I am now waiting for it to be analyzed Whew. and to hear what life's changes I need to make to prevent myself from doing more kidney stones. It's very, also, this happened the same day that Ella had her stone out. Like, so what? we both on the same day had... <laughs> stones taken out of our body whether through force or through a different kind of force so ross thank you for being here on this journey so it's yeah i think the theory about the roller coasters right, i think that's it's like the question i think maybe if it was smaller it would have successfully completely flushed it but i mean it did get smaller yeah i think it still broke it down you feel like it yeah. helped moved it along i definitely think so um and so i you have also said your pee was darker after that yeah no coaster. right like yeah and you'd notice like a Disney, grittiness it was like a little bit more and it kind of resembled both my urine when i first got the kidney stone and then my urine when i was in the er which was like nearly red like there's a lot of blood in my urine and i'm trying to think of like the most accurate way to say it but okay not blood in the way that you're imagine i, I don't want to be gross but what you're imagining darker. not it's just like yeah um, darker pee but which was the result of urine not actually like urinating blood like a horror movie i would definitely say the stone was 1.5 millimeters smaller but it is also like oh so how many more times would i have had it would have sure. been completely unfeasible for us to try to but Ross, why is Matterhorn so painful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it it was built in the late 50s and uh, hasn't been significantly updated. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably need to do a recalibration on the track there. It's wild. I, I was just like, It's a rickety ride. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Good, good for them for keeping that at it. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Yay, congratulations. That was exciting. I was watching you guys from the side and it was just like two guys having a podcast. Yeah, that uh, never happens. Yeah. <laughs> No one's ever seen it before. <laughs> so here is Ella's stone. I'm handing it oh, to you. Carrie is holding it with her bare hands. Now I'm holding it with my bare hands. This was in Ella's stomach. They it, had to do two endoscopies to get that out. Boy. Oh, yeah. Ella, don't do that again. Do you think it was from your backyard? So my theory is that it's from a potted plant, but Drew went through all our potted plants and couldn't find a stone like this, and all our potted plants are from the same place. Yeah, this mental image of you just like putting it back in that potted plant. <laughs> Thank goodness we got this back. Yeah. yeah, that one needs to go where Ella can never be tempted yeah. by it again. Well, the reason I think it was a potted plant is when she was slightly anemic, she had pika and she wanted to eat soil. Oh. So and so she was rooting around in the soil of this potted plant behind me. Okay. So that's why I think that. Anyway, the Poppy Spears family is currently, as far as we know, stoneless. Oh, Ella has a kidney stone. That's oh, right. that's Drew right. Everybody has kidney stones. Okay. More stones to be passed. You're right. Well, hopefully that one doesn't move. That's what we want. And Ross, you had an equally fun update no no so last week we reported on sound of freedom yeah the movie and tim ballard its character the person depicted by jim caviezel in that film and operation underground railroad 
And, you know, I, I didn't come away thinking like, this is great for the world or anything like that. Or like, <laughs> geez, let's get uh, Tim Ballard into Congress or anything like that. Right. Or, or into I, the I Senate. I called him an asshole during the recording and then asked you to remove it. So we, we reported on that and a lot of what we'd read and, you know, kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt where we could. Yeah. And a lot of people came back to us saying like, no, 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 no. You're missing something. Yeah, they don't deserve that. And also, right as we were putting that episode together, there were a bunch of new news items coming out about this so you know i think it's worth going back into this for a bit just to tell some additional stories and a lot of this is not on the beat of this podcast but there's an extra element that definitely is cool that i didn't even bring up last time because i only kind of understood the situation involving a psychic okay but now i know that a lot better i heard something about this okay okay this week yeah so so this week i don't know i dedicated at least eight hours to like reading articles and listening to podcasts and watching all this stuff so some kind of high level notes just about human trafficking in general because we Mm. we were commenting on how it's really hard to get solid numbers about this and to separate terms like trafficking from terms like prostitution Mm -hmm. and what's involving minors and what's not. A lot of this bleeds together. Slavery, of course, is brought into this as well. And you hear all these really big numbers. One really helpful resource that was sent by a number of listeners was a podcast called You're Wrong About. They did an episode called Sound of Freedom with Michael Hobbs and Human Trafficking. And it's a double episode where uh, Michael and uh, Sarah Marshall, they rebroadcast an earlier show that they did about human trafficking, kind of combine them for a double feature. And so I I would recommend that just for like a more thorough kind of breakdown on numbers around all of this. We mentioned a lot of the obfuscation factors like redefining what slavery means, like Mm -hmm. when talking about whether human slavery right now is greater than it ever was and all of the... So to to add to that, also, of course, just the population has gotten larger. But for a lot of other reasons, that statistic is BS. <laughs> so just to run through some of like the big factors, trafficking was expanded in 2012, the definition, by the Obama administration in an executive order. Mm. Here's the text of it. So the first part sounds pretty straightforward. To include sex trafficking in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such an act has not attained 18 years of age, So all of that, okay, sounds like trafficking. Or the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjection to involuntary servitude, peonage, debt bondage, or slavery. Okay, so anyone involved in the operation. Anyone who's in bonded labor situations. So that trafficking can include, you know, things that are not sex, things that are oh, l- yeah, labor, course, yeah. things where like you felt you were hired for one reason and then like the terms changed or, right. you know. Right, this, this reminds me of that Ohio report I pulled up where most of the trafficking, the confirmed trafficking cases were that were labor trafficking. Okay, yeah. Non-sex labor trafficking. And, and I think when it helps people making a, a big claim about these moral panics around child sexual trafficking and slavery they'll take those bigger numbers and kind of present them and use clever wording or outright obfuscation Mm -hmm. Uh, another really big role in all of this is just poverty like a lot of this problem is because people don't have enough money so that's why they do things they wouldn't normally do that's where that coercion part might might come into play and i think a lot more could be done just focusing on the poverty side 
-hmm. of the issue. Makes sense. Another big factor, a lot of this is just people who've run away from home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's because they're LGBTQ youth. Mm -hmm. They're queer, yeah. Yeah. And so they're the ones who end up, you know, because they've been rejected from their households. They end up going to like sleep on whatever couch they can get. And Mm -hmm. you're asking me to do this. Okay. And then that gets added to the numbers. Okay. But I think another one of the major points was just that Sometimes people do want to do sex work and it's consensual and it seems like a lot of these organizations are operating out of an assumption that paid sex can never be a consensual thing. Right. That's why I was zeroing in on that thing about age is like that's that's where you can be sure. Right. If Mm -hmm. someone's under 18, you can be more confident that like we would most of us would agree that's a problem. We as society have drawn the line there. Yeah. So that one's figured out. Mm -hmm. So so everybody gets seen as like a victim in that understanding of the world yeah. uh, another big part of all of this including the whole trafficking conversation is what resources do you put into helping people after these busts and after right. you know you free them quote unquote so that's been like another big issue operation underground railroad will try to say like oh yeah no we partner with these great places and stuff but then there's plenty of examples of unaccredited groups or you know people just who, who aren't set up to do this properly are doing the recovery work so you know just a, a lot of okay. perpetuating of bad situations and making them worse. Yeah, that all feels like stuff I would need to go check myself to understand, but yeah, yeah. But yeah sounds bad. I saw, saw enough bad examples of that, and yeah, I, yeah, okay. I can't say how representative they are, but it's part of the overall accounting. Yeah, fair. And, you know, a lot of people in a desperate situation get, quote unquote, rescued from it, and now, you know, they were in that situation because that was the only place they could turn. And now they have mm-hmm. nowhere else to turn. Yeah, sure. And that way it reminds me of the conversation around sweatshops where some people feel this is inherently coercive. That's my view. Mm-hmm. But the response to that view is, well, you have a bunch of people showing up to work. You know, like they see the situation. They know what the wages are. Mm-hmm. They know they're being exploited. We agree they're being exploited. It's a bum and deal. And they show up. What yeah. do we do with that? Yeah, yeah. My, my response is the, the company has usually has the means to just give them more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a real question. It's not like something we can just sidestep and act like, oh, that's not even a real concern. It's like when we play these things out, they always do have these mitigating questions we need to deal with. Indeed, yeah. So like if you really care about these people, you should care more about wage increases in general, mm-hmm. labor unions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a, it's a complex problem. And there was one number in the 2018 report from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime. Mm -hmm. And they said they'd been gathering data on person trafficking since 2003. And at the time, they said the peak year was 2016, in which they were able to detect 24,000 victims, which is in the the world. In the world. Yeah, which is so much smaller than any of these numbers that we Mm. were tossing out before. So I think the more I learned about this, the smaller the problem kept getting. Because, you know, I think we're trying to allow for the fact that... The population of the problem, not the scope of the horror. Right, right. Absolutely awful at any number. And I think we wanted to leave room for that, you know, for people who are really in situations where minors are being trafficked. But it turns out like the whole idea of people being nabbed from the airport, not a real noticeable problem. There's mm-hmm. not, not like cases you can point to. Nobody's putting kids in shipping containers as is depicted in the film. It was a really good point in that podcast. They were talking about how, you know, that's just inefficient. You know, if you're trying to seek cheap labor for this abuse, why do this and like ship kids around the world? That's not efficient. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people even in the United States that you could uh, pick on. Anyways, these narratives, the, the big goal is to create a bunch of disgust and fear in voters, 
specifically to kind of champion right wing causes. Uh, I, yeah. I think that really is the narrative. Sure. And they've lost some of their appeals to moderates, like, you know, talking about they're still trying to do like the whole trans thing, you know, mm-hmm. like make that a lightning rod issue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like everyone can universally hear sexual slavery is bad. And right. be like, well, yeah, I agree. That, that does sound really bad. And because of this fear, you have people doing things like calling the cops at airports when they see mixed race families and shitty stuff like that. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, wait. People are calling the cops because they see a mixed race family and then assuming they suspect, that it's child trafficking. Well, see something, say something. You know, this Lord. Might, maybe that little girl doesn't belong with that man. Okay. Yeah. And then and and those People say, oh, I heard about this from... There's posters at the airport warning them. Oh, I see. Here's a phone oh, number I, I to call. I don't know about these posters. Okay. okay. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> absurd. So tying into Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad, we mentioned in the last episode, we were talking about this guy who was listed in the credits who had given money to yeah, the film, yeah. mm-hmm. and he was accused of child trafficking. Right. We were saying, you know, we didn't know what the outcome of that had been, but learning more about that story, his name was Fabian Marta. Yeah, and I remember hearing about this guy, yeah. So, as soon as you hear, he was accused of child trafficking, and like, Mira Sorvino denounced him on social media and everything. So, once you learn more about the case, he knew a family, and I'm not sure if he was like helping out the father or the mother, but there was a custody dispute over the children, and he had... The children, I guess, staying uh, at his place. Yep. And he barred entry to the police when they were trying to uh-huh. come and get the kids. And so, you know, he gets accused of child trafficking. Yep, 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 yep. Which is, I think, such a good example of how these other factors can just get kind of flattened into this narrative where you might on first blush just sort of picture him going down to Chile and yeah. trying to buy children. Listen, um, <laughs> yeah, that kind of scenario is so common that Kaiser has a code color for it happening. Oh, really? They get on the microphone and they say code purple when a child has been abducted oh. because it's so common, especially in an emergency room wow. kind of scenario, for one parent to show up, whether rightfully or wrongfully, it kind of doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. the other person says... That parent doesn't have the right to exert the authority they're asserting. Mm, they mm-hmm. shouldn't be taking the kid. I'm I'm the parent with custody or whatever. The staff has to just be like, we take your word for it, yeah. right? They yeah, have yeah. to act. Right. So yeah, like this this code purple went up while we were at the emergency room and I went and looked it up. And okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Wild. And, you know, schools, they have to have a list of approved people who can pick up the child. Yeah. And I know this from working in a summer camp, too. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But let's talk about some of these more recent stories that kind of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. came out. Or Couldn't have known about this. Very conveniently around the release of our <laughs> podcast. So yeah. r- right at around that same time, the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Heard of it put out a sort of a denouncement separating themselves from Tim Ballard yeah. saying, hey, we found him to be dishonest in expressing his connection to Elder Ballard. Yeah, this is crazy. They're not related. Not related. I've read about this. That's so nuts. Well, yeah, I've never heard that name before. And, and It's uh, like someone being like, I'm from FLDS. My last name is Jeff's. No relation. I would just be like, well, you're wrong. I bet you are related. <laughs> 
I mean, certainly I've heard the last name Ballard. I know some Ballards. But oh, you do? Okay, yeah. I don't know any Ballards. This is my first Ballard. But yeah, but M. Russell Ballard, he's acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Imagine putting that on your business card. Guy who talks directly to Jesus. And Right? Well, no, he's... The, they don't do that? He's one level like below that. So. Oh, yeah. I guess only the prophet directly talks he, to Jesus. Yeah, and I don't know if they officially use the term chief seer, prophet, and revelator. Anymore, but okay. that's technically the president, which is yes, who is yeah, who's Russell M. Nelson. That's the a c- different Russell initial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last too many name. Russells, too many Ballards. Uh, <laughs> let me submit those notes. Okay, so in the statement that they released, all they said is like, we feel he acted immorally and he was improperly using the name of M. Russell Ballard, no relation. Pretending to have some intimate connection that doesn't exist. Yeah, and like using it for personal gain. And, mm-hmm. and that really was like kind of the extent of the statement at the time. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. what's this all about? Just like he was saying he was too buddy-buddy with this guy. And Russell Ballard, by the way, is 94 years old. So pretty good if you can still make headlines at 94. 94. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. almost as old as Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think their relationship is as interesting as the Mormon church thinks it is because they're just trying to, I think, protect sort yeah. of the sanctity of this um the higher echelon but reading more since then it does seem there were a lot of connections with them they would have meals together they, oh. the younger ballard would get the older ballard sort of involved in like some of these enterprises and uh so now older ballard just wants nothing to do with this mm. uh, but <laughs> then what came out right after we released our episode and kind of gave more substance to this statement from the church after we released the last episode was that there were sexual misconduct charges yeah from within Operation Underground Railroad and seven employees who worked for that organization and the suspicion of additional people who were either contractors or volunteers, you know, who didn't work for it, saying that Tim Ballard was doing things like asking women to play his wife. And if you really want to commit to the role, you should take a shower with me. In one case, sending an image of himself in his underwear mm. with fake tattoos. Fake tattoos? Yeah, Okay. I don't know what they were of. At least in the ink spill that I read, the picture I got was he would get these volunteers and be like, hey, do you really believe in this? When we go overseas, for whatever reason, I need to look like I have a wife. Mm -hmm. So can you play the wife? Okay, let's make that role believable. That would include, and then he really goes to town. That would include no wife doesn't shower with her husband. No wife doesn't, you know. And uh, Hmm. yeah, and sort of making it like if you really want this role, you need to you need to play the part or whatever. Obviously, like a a wild overshoot, even if you want them to play your wife, it's an absurd request. Yeah. Yeah. So after that came out, it kind of made more clear the LDS statement, which Ballard is now like releasing all of these videos about how upset he is. Mm. that his church has oh, uh, yeah. cast him asunder. You know, maybe a salvation is involved in all this. Oh, right, yeah. B- but also then it made clearer him being removed from Operation Underground Railroad back in June. So they had looked into these allegations and I think now we know kind of like what was helping guide their decision in that. But we didn't realize at the time that he had also left the Nazarene Fund, the Glenn Beck 
mm, backed one. Right. And oh my goodness, there's so many organizations involved in this. Everybody, <laughs> every person involved has like started three different organizations. Yeah. And they all have different names with similar sounds. And it's insane. Like I stopped writing them down after a while because it's just like there's this soup of dozens of these like anti-child trafficking and sexual exploitation mm-hmm. organizations. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. so it turns out the Nazarene Fund actually originally was a LLC subsidiary of OUR. Okay. And then Tim Ballard was CEO there. Now he's out there and now he's joined this other group called the Spear Fund. Uh, but he claims not to be an employee, though other reporting has said he's the head of that. Anyways, it's so messy. Yeah. But this is where I learned about uh, Lynn Packer, an investigative reporter who has been following this story even longer than Rolling Stone and Vice, Great. you know, have been doing. Yeah. So he reported on this and especially about the factuality of the timeline in the film okay. and, and this backstory. So it turns out Glenn Beck, also a Mormon, there's Mormons everywhere you look in the story, was involved in this way earlier. Way earlier than Tim Ballard, is that what you mean? Way earlier than we would have thought with him like being interested in the Nazarene Fund, but okay. like pretty much all along he's been helping drive this. So okay. Glenn Beck knew Tim Ballard and had him on his show as a featured guest talking about this problem. Yeah, well, so Glenn Beck is like a right-wing radio host. Good point. Yeah, I just kind of assumed everybody knew who Glenn Beck was. He used to be on Fox, and then he's kind of started his own little media empire. So he was promoting Tim Ballard and his stories back in 2013 before Tim left the government because he used to work for the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that up on the screen a number of times. So. So Tim Ballard has this whole story about how he, uh, in the film, I I can't pursue this case, so I have to leave Homeland Security and start my uh own organization. So he started the organization at least nine months before he quit with Homeland Security. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And already at that point, he'd had conversations with Glenn Beck. He was featured on his show. And the two of them had been strategizing about a TV series about rescuing children. So all in 2013, you have Operation Underground Railroad forming. You have them earlier in the year claiming that they already had their first raid that they were involved with. You have a different group called the Abolitionists LLC being Mm -hmm. formed Mm -hmm. to help produce these TV series. And there was eventually a series and documentary called The Abolitionists telling these same stories. And even in October, you had the OUR website launching. And then in December, Ballard quit Mm -hmm. Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does sound kind of like what screenwriters do. You like simplify a timeline to make that clear. Also, at that time in 2013, he was telling a different version of the same story where the kids, the brother and the sister, were abducted from the United States and taken to Mexico. I see. And then later he told the story of them being taken from Mexico and being moved uh, into the United States uh-huh. when he was trying to argue for the uh, border wall. And then he placed it like in San Bernardino. This guy has got to hire a PR person. And this guy is bad at it. Yeah, now the story involves the kids being taken from Honduras and then, you know, the girl being <laughs> taken into the jungle, which didn't happen, and then the boy being moved to the U.S., you know, where he was intercepted. And did anyone, and maybe you're about to tell me this, did anyone figure out whether these kids exist and what their story is? So he still insists that they exist, but not together, that these are two separate stories that got melded. In the movie, he rescues the boy pretty quickly, easily, and then it's like, okay, we need to go on this extreme 
extreme mission to rescue the girl. So the girl doesn't exist in this scenario at all. Instead, the one that got away that he's never been able to get back is a boy named Marty Gardy, who was a two-year-old boy living in Haiti, or okay. like a town on the border of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And, you know, Tim has you know, like put together a mission to go out there and find this boy and keep saying like, well, we're still going to find him. We're still going to find him. Never has. And that's supposed to be like the basis of the story about the girl because he did pretend to be a doctor at one point on that mission. But, okay, here's where the other element of the story more related to our podcast and our usual beat comes into play. So on that mission on the border of Haiti and the Dominican Republic, he brought along a psychic. Like you do. And when I first heard this story, like, oh, okay, they used a psychic. Yeah, dumb. They don't work for this kind of like (laughs) locating children thing. Not a good idea. Uh, But there was more to that story as well. So Janet Russon is the name of the psychic, but she wasn't your normal run-of-the-mill psychic. She was far more involved in this organization. Uh, She's another Mormon. Oh, Mormon psychic. Right. Let's bring her on the show. Yeah, and she she was claiming like in video that they were taking during this mission, there's no way you could have found him without me, but they haven't found him yet and they didn't. (laughs) So not only... Can she claim to intuit where children are, but she could also communicate with the prophet Nephi. Oh, no. Okay. She was uh, apparently being paid a monthly consulting fee of $5,000. Oh, wow. With an hourly operational readings contract of $1,560 by OUR. Wow. They're paying her for her readings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so at least $60,000 a year and then more depending on how many readings she gives. Right. Got it. Uh, she was listed as Director of Strategic Alliance at mm. OUR. What's her name again? Janet Russon. So close to Russell. It's true. Good point. She has nine children, seven adopted. Wow. So the psychic story is pretty interesting. And then she ended up being the head of another one of these related organizations. Again, like I said, like every article I'd read, there'd be the mention of like three or four new organizations I'd never heard of. Like what is going on? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Lots of money going around since we're talking about that. Uh, Tim Ballard in 2022 got over half a million dollars from... O-U-R. Okay, yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. That's a big salary for uh, sure. Going back the year before, 335500 So, you know, a lot of money. Uh, there was also leaked like a whiteboard of him sort of planning how they would market this and, and like his website. And so next to his website, it was written like $2.5 million and fifty dollars to $100,000 speaker fees. So, you know, this is being monetized in, in many different ways through the TV series and the movie and mm-hmm. you know, all of this. Also on that 2019 planning whiteboard, it was written, take the sizzle of the rescue, lead them to the covenant. Oh, interesting. It's like the stated objective, like, okay, we get people interested with this story and we get them to, you know, find Jesus of or the, the or LDS church. baptized in the Mormon church is how I hear that. Sure. Yeah. Same result. Uh, no, it's not the same result. One sends you to the celestial kingdom and one doesn't. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right. I'm a Mormon as of 2011. Oh my goodness. So much more. There was also another brand new story that came out about Paul Hutchinson. Uh, I'm involved with these other organizations, but also involved with OUR and an executive producer for Sound of Freedom and someone else who would go out with Tim Ballard on these missions. And it was revealed that he had touched the bare breasts of a 16-year-old during one of the missions. And at first I was like, okay, well, what do we know about this? There's a lot of different ways that could have taken place. This was in 2016 in Cabo San Lucas. 
like the theoretical accident or something. Yeah, like mm-hmm. there are more and less damning versions of that. And when I read the details, it was the more damning version of mm-hmm. it, where mm-hmm. later on they're joking about it. He could have not touched okay. the young woman's breast. You're, you you're, cover- just, like, you're covering fall. your chest <laughs> you're as right, I tell I, you this. I was covering up my boobs. Yeah, so he didn't just like uh, it wasn't, fall off a step. Right, right, and like brush <laughs> okay. up against or something right, like right. that. And, you know, he swears, I was assured she was over 18. You know, like, well, does I that see. matter? Yeah, it was caught on video and and there was like subsequent conversation of him trying to like cover this up and be Uh like, can we get rid of this video? You think this is going to be a problem for me? And really inappropriate conversation happening between the the people involved. Um, Mm -hmm. Not Tim Ballard, but again, it just kind of points to a lot of the problems with overall their stories. Back in 2020, Vice said, what we found aren't outright falsehoods, but a pattern of image burnishing and mythology building, a series of exaggerations that are in the aggregate quite misleading. Yeah, that's how I see it. But I think since then, I think more has come to light about like them kind of at every step, uh, the narrative coming from them about their missions and what they do. And every time you kind of press on it or you get an independent voice about it, you learn that they did last. Maybe they only gave a little bit of money. Maybe uh, like Liliana, that victim we were talking about earlier i learned that not only did she rescue herself but she didn't talk to them until like over a year later right when it i looked at that story pretty deeply okay i I felt like yeah i mean she they put it too simply i suppose but like she was even like yeah these people helped me at one point tim ballard was one of my best friends like you know these people were really there for me so i don't know i can't Looking at that kind of story, I can't fault the nonprofit that's like, we helped this girl. And then people read that as like, we took her out of her home in Fair. such and such Fair. a place. Yeah, I'm just like, eh. It's really tough then to know where to say like, okay, well, you're out there doing something. And like, yeah. okay, you used a psychic and it was dumb and embarrassing. But, you know, you wanted to find the child, mm-hmm. you know. You were in a faith that like believes in divine revelation y- yeah. where people talk directly to God. Yeah. For little parts of it, you want to say like, okay, well, it looks like kind of your heart's in the right place. And, and maybe we can point to some real situations where you help some individuals. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you have these outside government organizations coming in, sending in guys who are like waving around cash and asking for younger kids mm-hmm. then are being offered. And you mentioned like the potential problem of entrapment, mm-hmm. but also creating demand where maybe it didn't exist before. Totally. Lots yep. of accusations of that. So all of that comes together, just, just gives me this picture of Ballard as like uh, telling all these amazing exploits. And then if somebody kind of corners him, he'll sort of admit parts of what's wrong. But he'll, I think, cleverly use language to BS his way mm-hmm. out of a sticky situation. And right now he's in a really sticky situation mm-hmm. uh, because all of this is sort of hitting him all at once. And um, don't vote for him for senator because <laughs> uh, Mitt Romney's given up his seat. So that's the one he's had his eye on i'm for you voting however you want to vote but i'm not (laughs) i mean my my view walking in was already not positive of this guy i just you know i think that we should be really specific with our accusations and there were so many accusations that felt off the mark to me Mm. felt felt lacking a specificity that is required for the situation and that's really tough reading all of this coverage is you know seeing one thing like oh that's bad and then well Mm -hmm. i don't know that could be seen another Mm -hmm. way and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's such a soup and none of this was fun yeah neither of us were 
pro Tim Ballard, but I, I feel like none of this is to his benefit. Sure. So. No, he always he always seems like a weirdo to me. You have to separate things like him inappropriately hitting on other women. You know, if they had been into it and it was consensual, uh, cool. That's between you and your wife. Mm-hmm. But if it's repeated and unwanted, you know, well, yeah, then it's a problem. Sure. But that's separate from whether you're saving children or not. And I feel like it remains to be seen how much time he spends his time being a badass versus being a jackass you know, and all of this. so <laughs> yeah and the, the psychic thing is wild and of course you've got the QAnon connection and the mormon connection so mm-hmm. there we go i hope that was helpful uh just to give everybody <laughs> some more of an update on tim ballard and our well i too have an update yes it is about deborah king do you remember her <laughs> oh yes i do yeah she who looks Whoa. like yeah jamie lee curtis and sings in your face there is a double in you in there. Thank you for reminding me. It is moi. It's not ma. It's moi. That's right. What a character. Oh, and she hasn't let me forget about her because I get emails from her almost daily. That's nuts. Uh, it's yeah. funny because I was re-listening to the last episode mm-hmm. and we talked about how you had entered some kind of a raffle uh-huh. and we knew, oh, you're just getting on her email list. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And oh my God, daily emails off that raffle. Almost like when she's got an event coming up, she reminds you about it like every day for a week leading up. And then it comes from like multiple sender lists. So it breaks up into a couple categories in my Outlook. Yeah, yeah, I'm still rocking Outlook. So like when I'm doing email cleanup, I'll be like, oh, shit, it's been a month and I've got 30 emails from Deborah King. Oh, my God. And uh, like I just learned recently that we have an eighth chakra floating two feet above our heads. And some of you may not have yet unlocked your ability to access it. Sounds very Scientology. (laughs) Oh, oh, OT8 isn't enough. We made extra levels. Oh, the seven chakras weren't enough. Uh, Oh, I already cleared seven of yours. There's an eighth. So if you haven't absorbed that initial introduction from Ono Ross and Carrie to Deborah King, that was, I think, part four of our original Conscious Life expo series nice memory yes it was march 2020 and i do recommend going back because there are some things that we will pick up here and some questions answered okay so who is deborah king and why should i believe her yeah that's right Deborah King is a master energy healer. She's a number one bestseller. She is the star of a live show every Tuesday and Thursday on YouTube. She is a teacher. She is a friend. Deborah King. Oh, okay. That's me repeating the intro that the person at Conscious Life okay. Expo gave her. She's so, a friend. I like that. Yeah, totally. So meaningless, said, but cute. Your teacher, my teacher, our friend. Yeah. You know what? Actually, it is notable because there's something very friendly about Deborah King. Okay. Yeah. I think that she has the gift of gab. Oh, interesting. Where she's not lying. Is there something about her persona with the glasses and the spiky hair and everything that doesn't feel too inviting to me personally? Okay. Yeah. But having heard her talk, I can see that. And then my next thought was, thank you for being a friend. And then I was trying to picture her with the cast of the Golden Girls. And what a different <laughs> show that would be. <laughs> this is such a strange show. <laughs> Our podcast, yeah, our or, podcast. Okay, or Golden Girls with Deborah King. <laughs> Both are weird. Both are not quite what you're looking for. Well, I've introduced this horrible segue. I'll just mention, if you're online, take a look for the original song, the Thank You for Being a Friend by Andrew Gold, and okay. watch the music video. It'll be normal and fine and fun until about like a little over halfway through, and then it goes like into outer space, and it like... <laughs> 
<laughs> the song totally changes. It's wild. Thank okay, sorry, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you for giving that note. <laughs> um, okay, so Deborah King. So you saw her at Conscious Life Expo in 2020. I saw her in Conscious Life Expo in 2023. And let's see how much her talk has yeah. evolved, okay. first of all. I would say not much. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so when I was going back through the audio and listening to it and then compared it to your telling of your journey in 2020 it really felt like okay this is kind of her standard talk which Mm. i'm not shading her for that but but it does seem like uh she talks about a few different life experiences including some astral travel experiences Mm. and then she does her her healing that includes this odd noise (laughs) that she gets from the universe and helps her heal you of whatever ailment you've got and and she is no bones about this it can be cancer it can be aids whatever you come up here, you got you got a problem, she's got a sound for you, and you're going to be fine. I bet you can offer at least a temporary cure for loneliness. Probably. Is that a reference? No, just her being there. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's true. Every friend is a cure for loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why they called her a friend. Yeah. Oh. So I'm going to tell you about the talk. I'm also going to tell you periodically about two other sources I use to supplement looking at this talk. Truth Heals, which is her first book, which I'll hand to you. Oh, yeah. Truth Heals, What You Hide Can Hurt You, and it's from 2009. Okay, and you've read this. I read the whole thing. That's a nice picture of her on the cover. Yeah, and you mentioned it in the episode. It came up because she was talking about how she had cured her cancer energetically. But we didn't know at the time what kind of cancer it was. Exactly. And you said, well, I'm sure it's in Truth Heals. That book appears to be all about it. Okay. So I bought Truth Heals. Nowhere (gasps) does she say the kind of cancer. What? But she mentions that she has cancer. Yes. Had cancer. She is so vague in general. She doesn't tell us the names of her teachers. She doesn't tell us the names of the type of her cancer. But Deborah, what you hide can hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. It's a subtitle. Yeah, so that's very notable as I was going through this. There's a real habit of glossing over the details. Okay. Um, Yeah, and I always want to know, how much medical attention did you get? Totally. So... Thank you to this one host who happens to have a daytime news show at a local news outlet. Um, Thank you to this one host who happens to have a a daily show on a news channel. Your um, heart is true. (laughs) It was called The Balancing Act. And I found this video of it from nine years ago, and I wish I knew the host's name, but it was just a local news segment about authors, local authors. And she happened to interview Deborah King, and she said, well, what kind of cancer? And I was like, yes, thank Mm -hmm. you, this lady. Yeah. So um, Deborah answered her, cervical cancer. (gasps) Oh, okay. So cervical cancer, of course, is usually caused by a virus the HPV virus, and I went and looked up like, okay, are there spontaneous remissions of cervical cancer? And indeed, there are. Oh, So (laughs) in 2017, in case reports on oncology, there's a case report of someone's spontaneous remission of severe cervical cancer with bladder involvement. So this does happen. Mm -hmm. But we, like you said, we also don't know, was she getting any kind of treatment? She's very vague about that. She says she keeps checking in with her doctors as she 
she's doing the energy treatments. I don't know what checking in with them yeah. means and looks checking like. Checking in, interesting. So um, we so have there's... at least two possibilities where I'm not that impressed by mm-hmm. this story. Yeah, and why not mention that it's cervical cancer in the book? I mean, it just yeah. adds more detail. There's no shame in it. No, no. I Yeah, I didn't take it as a shame thing. I, I suspected that it was maybe an awareness that that is one of the cancers that can remit on its own I was, and uh, not really wanting to get, oh, oh. get people like you and me on our case about Interest- it. Okay. Um, I was flipping through the index and I just saw Gibson, Mel, 42. So I'm curious. Uh, okay, the addiction, whether to drugs, alcohol, food, sex, or other substances or other behaviors, serves as a bridge between the conscious, competent self, Mel Gibson, world-renowned actor and producer, in parentheses, and the part of us that did not get our needs met in childhood. Mel Gibson, the sixth of 11 children whose fundamentalist Catholic father ran his household on severely moral grounds. Oh, never mind, this is too long. She keeps going on yeah, and mentioning it's, him. it's really good to have an editor. <laughs> That's a good move. Uh, Not taken here, I think. I like that he got put in the index for that. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. It does have an index, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Please, always. You know what? Yeah, I take it back. Definitely include that in the index. Because maybe you read this and you want to refer later to that anecdote. To Mel Gibson. Yes, there's a lot of mention of celebrities in there. All right, let's let's jump to the book for a sec since you're holding it. So Truth Heals, I would say the thesis of Truth Heals is that trauma... Oh, it's Carrie's buzzword. Trauma lives in the body. No, no. It haunts different parts of you. It creates all sorts of disease. And the way to cure it, do you want to guess? How do you heal your trauma? You access your Akashic records and learn like what happened in past lives. What about this life? Oh. Maybe past life, but also what if you recovered memories that you have repressed in this lifetime. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and that's how you explain your physical ailments. Well, I appreciate you not going into past lives for that answer. Uh, still, we have a science issue there. Oh, she also goes into past lives. Oh, okay. Well, you past were- life is sort of the backup, though, where, where Gail Thackeray first goes to your past life and then her backup is this life. Mm-hmm. It's flipped for Deborah. So she's looking at... Your forgotten memories from this lifetime, and if she digs and digs and digs and can't find those, it's a past lifetime. Okay. You weren't kidding about the celebrity mentions. I have not changed the page, but I can see in the index references to Lindsay Lohan, Monica Lewinsky, Larry King, John F. Kennedy, Janis Joplin, Sir Elton John, Catherine Hepburn, Rock Hudson, Howard Hughes... Oh, the Rock Hudson one is so bad. Oh, no. Oh, Happy Days. I know that's leading to something. (laughs) Al Gore... And Ava Gardner. Oh, anyways. Yeah, there's a lot of retroactive psychoanalysis of people she's never met and how their childhood <laughs> explains their adulthood, which explains the way they died. And they have no idea they're being mentioned in this book. Oh, totally. Most of them are dead. <laughs> so Rock Hudson, so Rock Hudson in real life died of uh, HIV complications. And she says that that's because he was closeted and that energy of hiding his sexuality built up in his body and (laughs) caused AIDS. Or HIV AIDS is deadly on its own. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) She, (laughs) there's no mention of viruses. There's none of that is relevant to this. Yeah, that adds nothing to our understanding of. No, and I mean, it's. 
even though it is pro coming out, there is a an unintended homophobic kind of result. Yeah, of if that you don't kind come out. Thinking. Yeah, I mean, applying to that epidemic, that, that situation, that's kind of implying like, oh, well, if you didn't come out, that's kind of what led to you dying. Oh, that's what she's saying. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's directly saying that. And there's a lot of references to queer people not coming out and how that makes them sick. It, that seems like an issue near and dear to her heart. Is, okay. is so it sounds like she cares queerness. about queer people, but there's totally. kind of this unintended side message. It reminds me so much of, there's just that, that version of like, I care about this, but I haven't thought about it a ton, mm. that we also get especially speakers in this space who are very concerned about native cultures but they don't have native heritage and they give you this very simplistic like how magical are the natives kind Mm, of story mm, mm -hmm. it's the same vibe here for me it's like oh i'm so magnanimous i love the gays but then also you're still telling the story about how their sexuality murdered them yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) interesting yeah and i i Flipping through the book, came across some of your notes here, and you said this is at least the second story where being closeted causes a fatal illness. A little down the page, you said, "Sounds like Deborah can't heal in those circumstances. You must come out yeah. first. Mm-hmm. That's wow. So yeah, she has this little workaround where if her healing fails, and there's always got to be a workaround for that, right? Yeah. Um, in her case, it's that there was something you weren't admitting to yourself. Oh, this guy had lockjaw, a TMJ, and so she was saying uh, it's because he wasn't coming out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah TMJ, I've got that. Oh, yeah. you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. I'm actually probably going to get a surgery for it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, very common with people with migraines. Makes sense. Yeah. So, okay. So I go to this talk and I'm thinking, Ross got to see Deborah. I never got to see her. And you had said it was your favorite talk yeah, in all of, yeah. all of Conscious She's Life She's a Expo. character. Yeah. And I see why. She she does some weird shit up there. Yeah. So first off, we learned about sort of what her skills and powers, what we're going to see on display here. So she is going to activate our highest spiritual value, whatever that might be, using energy. And she says that we have to provide the energy, but she's going to whip it up and make it happen for us. Ooh, get it all frothy. Yeah. And she says she does look at the Akashic record for people all the time. You do have to give her permission, but then she can see your record and then she can tell you exactly what you need in that moment. And the Akashic records, she notes, contain not just the past, not just the present, but also your future lives. Okay. Um, I think I knew that. Yeah, but it's interesting because sometimes she was saying that she would... I think I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting though because most of, I think all of her readings will have to do with the past. Hmm. So I'm kind of like, where does the future figure into this? You know, if I have diabetes, what if that's something that speaks to my future life instead of a past life? But Mm. she never seems to really go there. Interesting. She also does parallel life readings. She may sense that you have a parallel life at the same time that she's doing the reading and tell you about that. Okay, that's uh, new to me, I think, is the idea that the universe has been split and there's another you somewhere who's living out a different reality and you can learn about that other Carrie and what she's been up to. That's how I hear it. I don't know if she got that specific. Okay. Yeah. Her energy healing, did you know that it takes a certain visible shape, her energy coming out of her to warn you? Not that I recall. Okay, yeah, I wonder if this is new. She sends a beam of triangular light 
which she got from the alien robots, more on that later, to you. And it looks like this. I love how she's always got a ready visual. Yes, she loves slides. So this looks like it's from the movie Tron. You've got like these kind of grids (laughs) in space. It's a triangle resting on its base, but like these purple lines are emanating out from it. Like the edges are being repeated as they expand to fill the frame. But also there are radial lines crisscrossing them, creating this kind of grid. So yeah, it feels... neon vibe, very 80s. I want to race my light cycle down that hallway. Yeah. It reminds me, now that you say Tron, it reminds me of the People Mover at Disneyland. You would go through a room that was kind of like that. I got to ride the People Mover a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Because it's still at Disney World. Yeah. That was fun. And I got to ride the Tron ride. Did you go to Carousel of Progress? Yes. Was it great? Yeah. And my friends, Keith and Randy, who were with us on the trip, they'd never seen it before, didn't even know about it. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, let's go to Carousel that's, of Progress. That's the best There's thing. a great thing, beautiful tomorrow. That's the song that Drew and I played walking back down the aisle. Also written by... The uh, Sherman Brothers. The Sherman Brothers, that's uh, right. Okay, so when she sends the triangle energy, she sends it as a spotlight directly to your heart. <laughs> this is how she said it. And I send a spotlight to your heart in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love kind of the, um, I don't know if it's mixing of metaphors, but mixing oh, of yeah, visuals because, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to package that up inside of like a big walnut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A spotlight, heart, nutshell, three, is, three words you don't mean literally. Is, yeah, is, is nutshell describing your encapsulation of this description or, right. or is there a walnut involved somewhere? <laughs> Exactly. Or, I don't know, pistachio uh, shell. But she does group healing. Sometimes she can do a whole room if the energy's high enough, but that's going to have to do with our consciousness. She can't just heal the whole room if there's someone in this room who's blocking it, okay? Uh-oh, that's, so that's on you, Carrie. Let's not- <laughs> Probably. Yeah, Get out of here. Let's not create a problem with the energy for everybody. You, the person already getting hung up on my nutshell? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, wow. What a, what a thing to put out there. Like, what is the function of that? Just to say, like- if things don't go wrong, I've already identified there might be a troublemaker. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Speaking of eyeballs. Yeah, shooting beams out your eyes. I wonder if Deborah King could cure myopia. I haven't seen it done by her, mm. but you could wear like corrective lenses for that. Oh, interesting. That might be a simpler way. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I were to do that, I think I would get a pair of glasses from Pear Eyewear. I'm wearing, both of us are wearing Pear Eyewear glasses right now. What a weird coincidence. I'm wearing your pair of Pear. One of my pairs of Pear Eyewear. I'm wearing the Otis Otis with the galaxy top. The galaxy sun top. Now, see, Deborah King would approve of that because it takes the clear pair of Otis sunglasses and adds an extra layer of protection and a beautiful blue and purple design. Yeah, very cosmic. Yeah, yeah, you're looking cool. And okay, so I'm wearing the Kirby in a tortoise, but check this out, Carrie. Check it out. Check it out. What? You're wearing completely different glasses now. That only took me but a mere second because I added sun lenses on top of those. So yeah, what I did was I got two pairs of sunglasses because fancy Americans, I've got like a backpack that I like to carry sunglasses in. Mm -hmm. And I have a car that I drive and I have a car that my wife drives and I want to have multiple pairs of sunglasses around so I never forget my sunglasses. Fancy Americans. And not only are these sunglasses that are ordered from pair I wear, but the (laughs) snap-ons are also sunglasses, which means that I can then double up when it's super bright out and it's actually, it's it's quite nice. It's perfect. Nice. But yeah, this is a really cool feature that you can order a pair of glasses, you can get 
them with your prescription. And they, have we said it? They snap right on. You can get these snap-ons to like get all kinds of extra designs. So it's like, picture you're putting on a pair of glasses, Mm -hmm. but then on top of the pair of glasses, you snap on an extra design that just goes on the front. It's very light and it changes the design of your glasses without you having to change glasses. Because there are magnets inside the frame and then these are like perfectly cut out so they just extend the design of your glasses. Yeah, it's a really cool thing that uh, sets pair eyewear apart. Yeah, it's fun too because like, you know, you can make it into a an accessory. Mm-hmm. Whereas your glasses, you may not think of them as an accessory. But like right now they have new designs like with Halloween designs. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. can get ghosts or maybe it's 4th of July and you want to get red, white, and blue. Yeah, or, or you just like plaid and they've got that too. And I do. Yeah. I it, love plaid. I just noticed that in an email uh, that they announced a new plaid design. Oh. And they offer, you can send them your prescription mm-hmm. and they'll... Get those made for you. And I got to say, like, the first thing I realized when I put on a pair of pair eyewear is just like how clear the lenses were. felt mm. like, and, and I didn't get a prescription with mine, but it's just like the world looks so clear through it. I don't know. Huh. It's nice. Interesting. These are clean glasses, but I don't know. <laughs> there's like almost like an intensifying effect because huh. I do have the polarized lenses in here. Oh, okay. But yeah, you could get like, let's say prescription glasses for yourself and you've got those, but then you've got the snap on top. Right. And you can turn them into sunglasses in a, in a mere moment. Very cool. cool. Pretty cool. And then they also have some supernatural designs, which might interest our listeners. Ooh. I think there's kind of like a Ouija board adjacent one. Um, Fun. Yeah. And, you know, now it's it's about to be fall and they have a Halloween collection, a harvest collection. Yeah. And they announce new designs all the time. So so you can add on to any of whatever your base frame is. Just remember that. And then you can be like, oh, that this will go on the Otis. You order that and it'll snap on perfectly because it's a uh, machine precision. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of designs for adults, kids. All sorts of sizes. There's wide ones. There's thinner ones, depending on your face shape. Some as big as your head. Some as big as your head. And you can get free standard shipping on all orders and a flexible 30-day return policy. And these glasses start at $60, so it's not going to break the bank. You know, glasses can get expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, you can get two pairs of glasses in one, too, and just keep like sort of extending on top of your solid, reliable frames by adding new designs. So change things up this season with new frames from Pear Eyewear. Go to PearEyewear.com slash OnRack, O-N-R-A-C, for 15% off your first pair. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com slash OnRack. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I. Hmm. Are you trying to put the name of the podcast there? Yeah, I'm trying to spell it, but it's tricky. Let me give it a try. Okay. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, call S-T-O-P-P-P-A-D. Ah, it'll never fit. No, it will. Let me try. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-P-D-C-O-O. Ah, we are so close. Stop podcasting yourself. A podcast from MaximumFun.org. If you need a laugh and you're on the go. So she's an energy healer. She says, I've had a long career as an energy healer. Now I'm mostly a spiritual teacher teaching others. So this will be a through line. She's there more to teach us to be healers than to heal us, even though healings will be involved in this talk. Okay. And I I wonder, 
Although she's been teaching for many years now, I do wonder if that's really amped up in the last few years, because I felt like your review was a little more about in-room healings, and my talk felt a little more about her being a teacher and trying to sell me on the idea of being her student. Oh, interesting. Like, to actually recruit for her classes. Her yes. Her increasingly expensive classes. <laughs> exactly, yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because we calculated that doing her cl- all of her classes was like in the $20,000 range, I think. Yeah. yeah. See, Jesus should have done that because, you know what, he healed a few dozen people of leprosy and some other things. But in the big scheme of things, should have been teaching other people how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess he said, like, you'll be able to do this. Yeah, but did he give instructions? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. You got to monetize better, Jesus. I just wish somewhere he had said, wash your hands regularly. <laughs> That'd be good. He's always washing feet. He got it so close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, don't, also, we don't eat with our feet. No. Good. <laughs> try. I, I like Carrie's counterexample <laughs> engine just revving up. I, can... I think I could do it. <laughs> Just to make a point, I'm going to eat my taco (laughs) with my feet. I can. Okay. But don't worry. She is very scientific. She has a left brain. Oh, good. I was worried. And she says, you know, I'm a lawyer. (laughs) Oh, okay. Which she is. I looked her up. Okay. Her uh, law license is still active. Wow. (laughs) It's been off and on, off and on, off and on quite a bit. So she lets it expire and then she picks it up again, lets it expire, picks it up again. Um, but she, she's a lawyer. Deborah King Esquire. Yeah. So she says, I was a hard charging lawyer in my 20s. I've never heard that phrase, hard charging. That paints a picture. Yeah. And sh- and that's when she came down with cancer. But also around this time, she was trying to be like a trial lawyer. And she had this, she says, life stopping fear of public speaking. Oh. So she says that her very first case. <laughs> she tells you from the stage. <laughs> right, right. She got over it better. somehow. Yeah. yeah. She said, I was an attorney general prosecutor. And in my very first case, I had never made an appearance in state court. I jumped right to the California Supreme Court. As in Sacramento, I was the only woman lawyer, and this whole office comes down to watch me argue my first case, and during the opening, I totally go blank, I black out, I had to be carried out. Oh no. Um, And she doesn't remember a thing about this, she's just been told. And as she's telling us this, she says, and I didn't remember a thing. Why was I telling you that story? Oh, man. How harrowing, though. I I believe that. Yeah. So I asked my friend Matthew, who's a trial lawyer, I asked him about this. And he was like, hmm, this story sounds unlikely but possible. Interesting. He basically said, it doesn't have the ring of truth to me, but it's not an impossible story. Okay. And then he looked up all of the California Supreme Court filings back to like 1970, and he couldn't find her name. And he oh. said, usually the council is listed like every oh, time they step up to the judge box. So maybe some part of the that got box. exaggerated. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps. But also, if you're carried out during your first sentence, do they put you down on the <laughs> register? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <it's your> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. You'll never work in this town again. And she probably right. didn't get invited back after that. Or didn't want to. Yeah. That would be so humiliating. Yeah. So it sounds like at that point, if I'm putting things together correctly, because she's not very good at dates, I think at Oh, that you've point, dated her. She... <laughs> I, we were on this date and I was like, you got to put your life in order, dude. I cannot follow this story. You're not going to date. <laughs> but if I have if I have the order of her life right, 
after that, she became a real estate lawyer where then she was just doing like contracts and stuff and didn't have to speak in court. At this time, she knew that her mission was vague. She knew she wanted to help people, but she didn't really know how. This is, of course... Such a through line at Conscious Life Expo. So much talk about sensing that you are supposed to help people, but not knowing your exact purpose with which to do it. Yeah, and I could see that resonating. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so right now in this story, she's in her 20s. And at that point, she meets with healers and shamans and teachers worldwide, but she doesn't say who. Okay. It's very vague. She throws up pictures John of... John of God. John of God. No, I thought that too. But at one point, she says her first healer, she doesn't say the person's name, but she refers to that first healer as her. Okay. So I'm guessing not John of God. Who knows? But what she's putting up on the screen is just images of the pyramids at Giza and Machu Picchu and like nothing that will tie me to any particular school of thought or teacher. The provenance here is just totally unclear. Mm. In that interview I mentioned that I found on Daily Motion from nine years ago, mm-hmm. she says that she started with a quote, hands-on healer, doesn't say who. And then she goes on, I started there and then I would study with a shaman in a completely different field and master another technique. And years went by until ultimately, finally, I developed my own technique, and now I'm the teacher. So vague. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she doesn't want comparisons invited with that teacher. Or, I think that's right. Or that teacher is no longer in vogue. Yeah, so I think there's two options here. I think one is that, and I think that's the more likely one, because usually there is some lineage. Mm-hmm. There's some teaching lineage with all these people. But every once in a while, you get someone who's not. And I kind of think those people are a little more likely to have a mental illness issue and a little Mm. more likely to be so totally sincere because they really are hearing and perceiving, like, receiving messages. Okay. So, uh, obviously, never even met Deborah King, certainly can't diagnose her. But as this book went on... I felt more and more like, ooh, this is where my bet's going, is mental illness. And and she didn't talk about her teacher in the book either. Nope. That just makes me think, is either someone that you see as a competitor or someone that you're kind of embarrassed by the association with? Right. Or you don't want your teachings compared with theirs? Right. Either way, Deborah, what you hide can hurt you. (laughs) And yeah, I, I guess I don't know which one is more likely for her, but I do think most of the time in this population of faith healers, your explanation is the more common one. They just don't want you to, they don't want you thinking about John of God right now. They mm-hmm. want you to think about them. This mm-hmm. is their operation now. Right, right. That person's still taking clients. And- right, right, exactly. I'm not going to go and be a testimonial for them. So at some point in the story, she had her Reiki symbols removed. So she had had Reiki. She had come to believe that Reiki is harmful. Oh. She got her Reiki symbols removed and boom, she was initiated. Wow. Okay. You might be wondering, what does initiated mean? Yeah. Me too. Okay. She didn't explain. Hmm. But she got her Reiki symbols removed and she was initiated. Yeah. Yeah. Was this before or after or a description of like her situation where she was getting the massage and all of a sudden broke out into song i think it's right around then okay Um, we will get to that chiropractor story i tried to put this generally in order boy did she not try to put it in order so i'm trying to give it to you (laughs) like roughly the way i think it happened okay so a while ago again she doesn't tell us how long ago Mm -hmm. she started getting a pleasant ringing in her ears 
you and I talked about this, yeah. uh, that it sounded like tinnitus or tinnitus, however you want to say it. She went to the doctor and the doctor told her her hearing was healthy and actually said, in fact, your hearing is better than a dog's. Okay. So she, I think the implication is it was inexplicable, whereas tinnitus <laughs> sort of is inexplicable. Like we, you know, it can be caused by a bunch of different things. It's mm. comorbid with a bunch of different disorders. It's very comorbid with anxiety and depression. Oh. You know, the fact that the doctor didn't isolate a cause doesn't tell us a bunch, right? But her auditory channel didn't develop until a little after that. So auditory channel here, meaning her receiving auditory messages. Not meaning her ear canal. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so here she means receiving verbal messages from the great beyond, right? Okay. Which sounds mm -hmm. to me like hallucinations, but who knows? So another story she told was what I'll call the horse country incident. So she begins this story by saying, a week into this experience, but she doesn't say what experience. A week into this experience, I was laying in bed and I heard a voice say, go outside, there's a mandala. Maybe okay. you remember this story. She told it to your group too. But so she hears a voice in her head say, go outside, there's a mandala. She goes wandering outside in the dark. She's in horse country because she's staying there with her husband. Hmm. And she finds this mandala just out in nature. Okay, interesting. Like a, a pattern shaping of rocks. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it's created by humans or if she hears, hey, there's a mandala out there and goes out and kind of sees the pattern and says, this is it. I don't know. Not or clear. Furiously makes one herself. <laughs> right, right. So she says, I find this mandala. I lay down on it and I end up doing that all summer at night. What a wild experience. I just stared at Orion dusk to dawn. And then she said, I got really tired during the day. But what a trip. What a fun experience. Huh. And then I started to hear sounds and oh. I started to imitate them. So I started thinking like, oh, man. So we're talking about like sleep interruption, yeah. auditory hallucinations, mm -hmm. not going to bed when you're planned to, laying outside, totally disrupting your circadian rhythm. So I start to think of media. Mm, interesting. Yet this is reminding me just a little bit of Kimberly Meredith's story where she had a injury to her head and that's where she started having this issue with her a rapid eye movement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish I could remember what that's called, ocular dysregulation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. Just how, you know, one sort of physical input or disruption can kickstart a whole change in your life. Totally. And stress incidents too. Like she, at one point, her husband had a terrible injury and that will play into the story. Yeah, if your life is stressful, that can also create, uh, especially mental health episodes. So as she's saying this, she says, I started hearing this, these sounds, I started to imitate them. And then she said, and fortunately, we were out in the middle of nowhere. So the men in white coats didn't pick me up. Hmm. So she recognizes like, oh, yeah. I know what I'm telling you sounds batty, but like, this is really what I felt. And I so believe her. She's saying it sort of, even though there's like hundreds of people here gathered to see her who obviously believe in her, just a little sense of like, I'm embarrassed telling this story. Mm, Maybe mm -hmm. you'll think I'm nuts. Like, that's still residual. I'm still tuned into your mental conception of what I'm saying, uh, which is some good, you know, uh, theory, of, theory mind. of mind. Exactly. Yeah. So good good job, Deborah. You're still 
kind yeah, of some got your brain wandering through the audience and hearing yourself. Yeah, that reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So the men in white coats don't pick her up, but she begins to be trained in the healing tones, which she now teaches to her students. Speaking of white coats, is she wearing all white again? She is not. She is wearing a big purple thing. <laughs> Here, I'll show you a picture. She's wearing this big purple coat and then oh, black underneath it. Oh, that's right. I did see her walking around the, the expo. Okay. Uh, and now now I remember. Yeah, that's a ostentatious jacket. It's interesting. It's got these natural wrinkles in yeah, it yeah, like, yeah. that seem a part of the design. And it's like reflective. Yeah, it's, it's kooky. Attention getting for sure. Yeah. So in her book... She kind of gives support for my theory about mania in that she talks about how she used to have what she calls manic depression, which Hmm. is what they used to call bipolar, but doesn't anymore. Okay. And yeah, how do you feel about that? Is that something that goes away? No, I mean, I I think most people would tell you it's a lifelong illness that's, you know, controlled with medication. I think that's what most experts would tell you. Okay. Any psychiatric disease could go into remission, theoretically, but like... That would usually be through medication management. But also she could have been misdiagnosed. That that happens too. I don't know. All of this is adding up for me is like, oh, this makes sense. You, like you didn't go to sleep. Maybe you naturally have a bipolar risk. You started hearing voices like that. That story's starting to add up for me. Um, so then there's the chiropractor incident you talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Where she goes to this chiropractor for an adjustment. She's laying on the table face up. <laughs> When she (laughs) starts to make one of these tones. Uh, So she's laying on this guy's table face up. He's trying to crack her back, which now that I'm thinking about it, why is she face up? But whatever. She's laying on his table and she goes, whoa. And she says, I'm embarrassed by it, but she uses the same word she used with you. She says he was transfixed by it. I'm sure he was. <laughs> Sounds like he handled it uh, well. But yeah, I mean, uh, ch- chiropractice <laughs> is something we could do an episode on. Right, that's true. We've talked about it over the years. But that aside, I'm sure that was not the occupational hazard he'd signed up for. <laughs> yeah. It's a very funny mental image. Yes, So she says, needless to say, I never went back to the chiropractor. (laughs) Uh, And she really is. She really seems embarrassed telling this story, but she's telling it. That's cute. And she says, but the next week I started initiating people. So that that was sort of the turning point for her in becoming a teacher. Okay. And then she also said that she was wandering around the desert spiritually in her 40s, trying to figure out her purpose. And I was like, this is so confusing because you had this initiation in your 20s and you were initiating other people, right? If I've understood the timeline correctly. You should be much farther along in your... Yeah, why were you wandering in the desert, Deborah? Interesting. Tell me about that. She's just, it's it's a very confusing storytelling. And when I hear the... The phrase wandering around in the desert and the number 40, I just think of like oh, yeah. the biblical connection to the Israelites mm-hmm. wandering in the in the desert. Interesting. Not mentioned. Or Jesus for 40 days. But yeah, I guess that's the uh that's the rhetorical reference at least. So, okay, let's talk about her cancer a little bit. Yes, let's. <laughs> so she seems to have now a lot of people who come to her with cancer. Stories of people with cancer really Mm. fill that book, fill her website. Mm. And on her website, she asks rhetorically, which method intuitively sounds more reasonable? 
violently cutting open the body or gently restoring balance to its systems. Our instincts are usually correct. Taking a nurturing approach to healing can have far more benefit than a harsh and potentially life-threatening operation. It didn't seem like a balanced presentation of the options, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. These are your options. Violently cutting open the body or gently restoring balance to its systems. (laughs) Which do you want to do, Ross? You pick violent cutting? Uh, Yeah, that seemed like the clear choice. Those are the only options and you picked the wrong one. Hmm. Really? Violent cutting. All Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm. Okay, but let's talk about the Akashic Records, shall we? Yes. So the Akashic Records, of course, are records of your entire life, your past lifetimes, your future. And during Deborah's spiritual awakening, she got to go to the Akashic Records three times. So she can't just go there on demand anytime. No, it seems like it has to be during one of these kind of initiation episodes where she hasn't slept in a long time. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? It, maybe. So she decides to go to the Akashic Records the first time and look at her past and future lifetimes. And I think this was during a meditation session. But when she gets there, there is a guide there in the records. And he says, I can explain that ringing in your ears. So what we thought was tinnitus or tinnitus is not. It is actually an extra piece of equipment inside her head above her ear that's like an antenna. Right. That picks up sounds. Yes. Like Whitley Strieber. She's got uh, hardware. Yes. Implants. So that's when she realized that she's very special and that music speaks to her in a way that seems different from other people. She feels very emotionally connected to music. Okay. Which is probably true, but a little funny because the sounds she makes are, in fact, not very musical. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) So she throws up a slide as she's saying all this and she says, and this is who I met in the records. This is what he looks like to me. This is a rendition. And then she says, full disclosure, it's not a photo. Okay. So answering one of your concerns from the last Yeah, where did, oh my goodness. Whoa, okay. Carrie's (laughs) showing me this wild piece of art. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've got this dark reptilian, uh, like an alien with a giant head and glowing red eyes and scales and mostly just from the lighting he's like black is his base color but the light picks up the scales in blue but there's also like red light reflected on his like super buff pecs and what does he got like a 12 pack there and oh my goodness this is crazy yeah he's using a computer which looks oh he's using like a 27 inch iMac (laughs) okay all right uses Apple products sure (laughs) And he's got a leather chair and glowing green headphones. So he's like got a really good alien gamer rig. And I see like an alien civilization behind him. There's buildings and stuff. This is wow. That's something. She met this guy. She met him in the Akashic Records. I didn't suspect that of being a photo. (laughs) Me neither. But who's she getting to do these renderings for her? That I'm not sure. We were able to find the name of a different piece of clip art she used. But that one didn't appear to be a rendering. Um, but I hope I dream about that tonight. <laughs> it's interesting that you say he has headphones on because that's how it looks to me too. But in fact, those are his ears. Oh, he's just got bright green glowing ears with a cord coming out of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, those are his ears. All right. 
a great design for I mean, an ear. If I were who, God, I'd get a cord coming out of the ear. Who am I to judge? You evolved on your planet with your very similar to human body your layout. Apple products. Yeah, your your Apple products and your apps and your abs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. Okay. Yeah, we've got to post this picture. Yeah. She says that the headphones are like satellite dishes. So, yeah, I don't know, they're picking up whatever. And this guide was a pretty interesting dude, she says. Oh, just from looking at him. Yeah, totally. So the guide shows her a map of Orion, the star system mm-hmm. Orion, and she says- I'm sure the belt. It's always the belt. Oh, yeah. She's from the belt. Oh, yeah. She's from Orion. No one's belt. from we Orion's shoulder. <laughs> yeah, good point. She gets the most <laughs> incredible feeling. I actually came from Orion's right kneecap. You know that, <laughs> that star right down there? Yeah, that's actually where I'm from. You should try to Oh, not the that. belt? Oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> So she gets the most incredible feeling looking at the map of Orion. Her whole body tingles. She shakes. She has so much excitement. And the guide explains, that's where you're from. Okay. And she feels this amazing feeling like being at home. It was an amazing feeling. Okay. Second trip to the Akashic Records. She's shown her own current lifetime. So she was on Orion looking down at a baby star system. She was told she could go down to Earth. So I think I think the vision here is that she's pre-birth in this lifetime. So she says, the guides say to her, things are bad down there on Earth. It's all war and unhappiness. Not like here on Orion, where everything's orderly and organized and higher consciousness and the kids in school study the other star systems. Well, this sounds like a trafficking situation that she's being sent to the Earth. Oh, uh, maybe. She volunteers. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but they say down there on Earth, things are rough. I don't know. I just, it's so, oh, sure, the other world's perfect and this world's not perfect. Grass just, is always greener yeah, on the other side. Oh, everything's perfect there. And the built-in headphones orderly. are always greener. And who's who's the, like, being that inhabits that planet who speaks of it that way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if I were, like, it's not like here on Earth where everything's orderly and contained. <laughs> it's just not how anyone talks about their environment. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if, uh, you know, I go to my friend's house and they just got like stuff all over the place be like okay well things are a little more orderly yeah oh back back home home. with the blotchers okay fair maybe not a true statement i'm not not trying to make us sound more orderly than we are sure sure i think you and i actually like similar levels of compete uh, for clutter yeah accumulated books and whatnot i think i'm draping over every surface i I think i'm 30 percent worse anyway Uh, okay (laughs) 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 so and i'll give this to her and you did also That she said that the guide told her she was going to have to go to the middle of the U.S. sometime to do her life's purpose. And Mm -hmm. she was like, shit, I don't want to. I live in California where it's beautiful. So she's still aware, like almost like a sentence that she eventually is going to have to move to the middle of the United States. Yeah. She's putting it off as long as she can. Yeah. Uh, But kind of honest to keep sharing this with people. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Then they taught her about Lemuria. And I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. Yeah. I don't like the name because I just picture it immediately as a land filled with lemurs. Oh, uh, 
could be cute. I like that land. It's just clearly not the visual they're trying to give me. Oh, sure. Of this like Atlantis-like civilization. Yeah, okay, fair. I picture a bunch of lemurs. <laughs> Cuter. Yeah. So the third trip to the Akashic Record, she arrived in a room with a big domed ceiling. And it's very beautiful. It looks like the LA Central Library to me. Okay, yeah, wow. Beautiful. That's the Akashic Records. That's it. Yeah, is this a rendering or... Presumably. A photo of a real place? That one I could mistake for a photo. That's true. We could... But yeah, is there like... Google image search it? Is, yeah, is there like a library in Greece that just happens to look exactly like the Akashic Records? Good question. I'm sure if there were, she would make a lot of hay out of that. Oh, yeah. Ross? <laughs> yeah, you got an immediate hit. <laughs> It's the Library of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the Akashic Records looks like. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. The Library of Congress looks like the Akashic Records. No wonder it looks like the LA Central Library. Yeah, her, her wording is always interesting when she's saying, like, this visual I'm showing you is the thing I saw or looks like mm-hmm. or is inspired by. Yeah, you got to just be like, this is a photo I got from Blank, but it gives you an idea. Deb- so so Ross and I don't just get caught forever on what that means. Deborah, in one of your almost daily emails, can you explain to me how you get your <laughs> visuals for your presentations? That would be great. So as you may recall, she gets in a jet pack and busts through the ceiling of that dome, ripping past the stars, covering a great distance, and she meets robot people. And then she says to us, which you know are real, right? AI is here. And they directed me by Mm. shooting a beam of light out their eyes at me. And they said, that's what you're doing when you initiate people. You're sending that beam of light to them. Whoa. Okay. Um, Yeah, I can't can't sign on to that. I don't know that's real. And the beam of light. Yeah, that's that's something else. It's that uh, purple triangle thing. That's what she's sending out. And that is... What they beamed at her with their eyes? Yes. Uh-huh. So they they shoot a beam of triangle light at her with their eyes, then she receives it and when she does her initiations in the mall, she's sending so the light. Okay, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yep. So the robots take her to a city with moving walkways and then they take her into a room called the vibrarium where there were pipes everywhere. And it looks kind of like the the photo the image she shows looks like a pipe organ room. Huh. And she says, this is where you get a reset. So they they fill this vibrarium with healing noise, and that will completely cure you of anything wrong with you. And so this noise that she's receiving is sort of like a small version of that. Okay. And she says that if you went to the vibrarium, meaning us, the people I want to go to the vibrarium. You wouldn't need your energy medicine provider anymore. They would become irrelevant if you got to go to the vibrarium. Well, isn't our energy medicine provider Deborah King? Yes. Yeah, she said you wouldn't need me anymore. I become irrelevant. Okay. If you could go to the vibrarium. If if only. Yeah. But will you? Who knows? Then the robots taught her that she's sending energy throughout Earth, that she is like a tuning fork. And she goes, it was wild. It was wild. Who built these robots? Oh, good question. You know, we don't need to know that. It's not as important as them building us. Vibrarium. Here's an image she showed of transmitting from the eyes. It does not show a triangle, so that's confusing. Okay. You told us it was a triangle. This image is of kind of circles coming out the head. Out of the brain, not the eyes, but okay. Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. It's labeled transmission from the eyes, but their eyes are downcast and nothing's coming out of the eyes. Great point. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you would argue third eye chakra. Maybe it's that eye. Deborah, where do you find these visuals? This one's not backing up your point. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of her talk was about star people, UFOs, star seeds. Uh, we talked about this a lot in the last episode, so I'll try to be brief here. But she does recognize that this topic comes off as bizarre. She's like, I know what you're thinking. How did I get into something as bizarre as star people? I'm a lawyer. Um, and I used to be secretive about it, about how it's from Orion, but now I just straight up talk about it. So she thinks that the number of star seeds is intensifying. So more and more people are realizing they were star seeds okay. and talking about it. Okay. So I, Carrie, am thinking, well, yeah, you're going into rooms with 300 people and saying maybe you're a star seed. Uh-huh. And then there are more star seeds. Yeah, yeah. You, you seeded the idea. You star seeded the idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly. But she said there's quite a few of us at this point. Yeah, you should be shocked if uh, there were not an increase. <laughs> yeah, if not, you're you're not selling it. Yeah, yeah. But she's telling us, what if you're one of the star people like me? Mm -hmm. You're going to want to follow up on that, right? So there have been 350 UFOs this year, and 175 of them are inexplicable, according to the Pentagon. According to the Pentagon. All right. Yeah. Could be. Like, I'm not motivated enough to try to figure out where she got those numbers. Yeah. But I suspect they're either not there or not very impressive. And also inexplicable mm -hmm. means different things in this realm. Yeah. She talks about Brad Steiger's book, which we've mentioned a few times, mm. a UFO believer's book. She says, if you dream about flying or if you remember the future, meaning you have deja vu, or if you're besieged with synchronicities, you're probably a star person. And then she also said that if you feel time is flexible, you're probably a star person. And she talked about this a little more than she had before, this feeling of time being flexible. And it really sounded like she was describing something I, I felt like, oh, maybe I haven't experienced what you're talking about. Oh. It sounds very acute. Okay. It doesn't sound like you're speaking in metaphor, like time is dilating for you. So as she was talking about this, I went and looked up this sensation, and it is uh, common in people with bipolar who are having psychosis. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So, which would suggest, you know, bipolar one and a pretty bad circumstance in which this symptom arises. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I was thinking, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, again, like, I can't diagnose this woman, but boy, are a lot of things stacking in line with this interpretation. So, she said, this time in this lifetime, everyone in this room is here to be of service. That's why you're at this conference. It's the kind of person you are. You selected this. You're here to help others ascend. Here we go again with a, you chose this for yourself. Yep. I don't like it. <laughs> That's so interesting that that rubs you so wrong. It really does. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I've, when you've kind of unpacked why it rubs you wrong, it makes sense to me, but I just don't have that intuitive okay. reaction to it. So she said something very twin ray here. She said there are nodes on our earth that are transmitting signals. Oh, yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. Okay. To one another and to other galaxies. She mentioned like a six-year cycle or anything like that? I don't think so. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. That all, I was like, oh, are you getting that from Twimray? Did Twimray get that from you? Or... Yeah. Oh, boy. There's so much uh, sharing within this community. And it's, it's interesting when you can establish these connections from one thinker to the next and like as they absorb ideas from each other. Uh, but yeah, in a case like this, you don't know. Did you both pull from the same other source or are you listening to each other? Yep. Or is there some... Or is it all true? <laughs> or is it all true? Or is there some 
inherent human cognitive error that gives rise to this impression mm, mm-hmm. and so different people spontaneously come up with this explanation yeah when or, science could better explain it some or, other or way. even like a ready analogy like cell phone networks or something like that mm, like mm-hmm. there's we can mm, picture mm. this thing I, I think we often do that with how the brain works you know like oh it's mm. like a typewriter it must or, be like a computer yeah yeah uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. my best analogy so it's like that mm-hmm. um distributed networks mm-hmm yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, 30 years ago, even someone would come up with this thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, Lemuria. Yeah. She acknowledges straight off the bat that a lot of people say it's fake, but she she doesn't, obviously. Where, where are you going to find ring-tailed lemurs? <laughs> well, it's a lost island in the Pacific. She acknowledges that not everyone is convinced of Lemuria's existence. Yeah, she's almost apologizing for it, despite everyone saying it's fake. Okay. No, no, no. And she says... We're saying it's fake. Yeah. So I, I really feel like she has people in her life being like, Deborah, mm. no, this isn't <laughs> right. And she she senses like, I'm saying something that's not well received, but I really believe in it. I mean, I appreciate the effort at least to even acknowledge yes. that it's questioned. I totally, totally agree. Uh, she's coming off more and more sincere to me. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing you need to know about Lemuria is that if you have a knack for crystals, you might be Lemurian. Lemurian? Lemurian? <laughs> How do you think you say that? Lemurian? Yeah. Lemurian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because crystals hold memories. Sure. You're looking at me like I'm waiting for you to acknowledge. <laughs> Makes yes. Sense, right? Yes. Crystals, yeah. crystals hold, hold memories. memories. Sure, yeah. Like just like water. So, I'm starting to put together I'm like crystals hold memories. Recovered memory, laying on a massage table, remembers things laying on a massage table. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. So, I start reading her book and Again, she's so vague, but the story I'm starting to put together in my head is that she went to this healer, she was holding a crystal, and she recovered memories of child sex abuse in her 30s that she had never remembered before, and that Mm. she felt explained. I remember her saying something about uh, like incestual relations with her father and worried about that. Yeah, yeah, which we took at face value uh, on first learning. Yeah, this is truly a lost and recovered memory that her, the rest of, you know, her family denies. And Hmm. she wrote this book and she thought they wouldn't read it. She said she thought, oh, they're just, they're so busy with their corporate lives. They're big lawyers too. Mm. And so I just didn't even think they would know about it, but they did. And it sounds like she basically cut off her whole family by writing this book. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. Bummer. Um, She did say after 10 years, they started talking to her a little bit again, but huge rift caused by what sounds to me like a recovered memory that was not veridical. Wow. Yeah. Bummer. She talked about Atlantis, again, super defensively. She's like, you don't need to feel like you're crazy for believing this stuff, okay? I believe this stuff. I'm a lawyer. She keeps like referring to sort of her, you know, I'm, I'm left brain. Uh, I believe it. Can't be that kooky. I'm a lawyer. Right. Then she talked about Sirius. She was very serious about that. <laughs> <laughs> These are the great A puns you come to this podcast for. <laughs> She talks about how there's a tribe, the Dogon tribe. Yes. 
Yeah. She, she brought up this example. It's a common one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, an African tribe that's supposedly from Sirius. Yeah. And that they had this kind of tradition of astronomy that subsequent investigations have kind of shown may be related just to Western interference, Western storytelling. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, she it's said- It's debated. Okay. She, well, I think that's wrong, Ross, because she said they got their knowledge from the stars and scientists have backed it up. Yeah, Carl Sagan had a chapter on this in Broca's Brain. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've never read that one, and I should. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was uh, just kind of a collection of different essays on a variety of topics, and it's always fun to listen to. Is it mostly neuroscience? No. Oh, no. Okay. Interesting. Carl Sagan was great. Andrean uh, is great. Yeah. In fact, sorry, sidebar, when we won our IIG award, Andrew Yim was also winning an award and we got to meet her. So cool. So cool. Carl Sagan's wife and the co-writer of many of his books. Cosmos as well, yeah. yeah. So we talk about memory regression a little bit. And then she says, we're going to do a past life regression right here in the room. And she had kind of split up her talk into these, but she would talk and then she'd do a meditation and then she'd talk and she'd do the meditation. But I'm going to tell you about all the meditations at once here. So in this regression, we're going to go into our buried cellular memory and remember our pasts together now. So she wants us all to try to find our star ancestor from our home star. And we all might be from different places. Don't necessarily expect to be from Orion, though you might be. Hmm. But probably everyone in this room has a star lineage, and we're going to try to figure out what it is. And so much like your meditation, she first takes us mentally to Lake Titicaca in Peru. She shows us this photo (laughs) I'm about to show you. Oh, these visuals. I can't wait. Okay. She says... You're going to drop with me right into this fifth dimensional city underwater. Oh, that should be easy to visualize. And then she shows us this. So we're going to... Looks all like Blade Runner. Yeah. I wouldn't immediately think it was underwater. But yeah, that's underwater. I'll it's believe fifth it. dimensional. Don't know what that means here. It's also the home of the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, that seems to be a connection to a end times spiritualist group from the Midwest. But okay, okay, Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. And then she says, <laughs> this is my favorite line from her entire talk. <laughs> it's invisible. But it looks like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. What does that mean? Yeah. What do you mean? It's invisible, but it looks <laughs> like this. Yeah. What does that mean? Unless you mean it's like microscopic. But if not, either it's invisible <laughs> or it looks like something. Yeah. In a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm trying to think that maybe you can only see it, quote unquote, see it with some different sense. Yes, I'm and sure. if you see it in the infrared or the ultraviolet, or if you're able to like touch it, it will form this shape, yeah, even she said, though it doesn't uh, interact with optical light. Yeah, she said we wouldn't see it with diving equipment, and that much I believe. <laughs> so she tells us to visualize some sacred scrolls and then boy this feels like it's out of nowhere but she says the history you learned in school is not accurate you need to hear the myths of the indigenous people they're not myths they're accurate there's a continuous visitation from other beings from the stars 
And then she tells us we can come back anytime. Hmm. Yeah, I, okay, okay. I, I was on board for like Ooh. the, you know, there's more to history than what you were taught in school. Sure. There's uh, more to everything than you were taught in uh, school. But kind of lost me after that. Yeah, yeah. There's more of everything to anything you could study. So yes. But you'll note the mention of native culture. She's so into, this is a white woman. She's so into that whole thing of mm-hmm. being like the natives. They have the magical knowledge. And if we just listen to the natives more, we mm-hmm. would, which just comes off to me like so patronizing. Okay. But she has this slide that she shows us next where she says, these are the messages from the star beings right now. It sounds like she's saying right now during our meditation that Mm. we're having, but Mm -hmm. she's got a slide prepared. So I'm like, did they tell you this is what they were going to tell us? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Um, But As of last night in the hotel room? Right. Exactly. So their messages are star beings of the Aquarian mission, upgraded generic coding tibetan monks sacred <laughs> generic not ge- genetic okay tibetan monks sacred geometry crystal access transformer enhanced brain and cell structures generate a force field that magnifies intentionality oh they didn't even make a good bulleted list <laughs> no that's the messages that's what they want me to know oh that's word salad yeah there's no syntax there i mean i was expecting it to be something like pieces the solution to mankind's problems or you know like i would have expected some nice little like hard to disagree with yes you're right the answer is not boring a lot of time the answer is so boring these these creatures come and talk to us and then they're like be nice and i'm like really so i'll agree with w magazine and calling her electrifying according to this description but it wasn't what i was (laughs) expecting but it's uh not useful yeah 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 but you're right it's more interesting so then she talks about science a little bit she says scientists are just now realizing something metaphysicists have been saying for a long time that ets are here you know you know all the scientists saying that yeah mm -hmm, all of them she says western doctors are good for diagnostics but don't get treated there save your own life and go somewhere else that's interesting they're good for letting you know what you have (laughs) (laughs) but not for dealing with it Mm -hmm. yeah and they're good for verifying that it's been taken care of later. <laughs> right right but everything in between yeah imagine being the doctor who's serving this person you just have to be like oh I'm, well i'm gonna try to keep saving your life even though you keep throwing me yeah. under the bus yeah okay, okay well this is the problem here's how we see you're gonna fix it oh no you're leaving you're gonna go bathe yourself in golden triangular okay. light that's fine i need you to check in in six months yeah but could you also <laughs> take these every every week while right. you're doing that, yep. please, yep. please, because yep. yep. I really want to see you be okay. It reminds me of that doctor in Mexico, that wonderful man who oh, was yeah. like, I've set up this hospital where we do conventional medicine and alternative medicine because we have to capture these people who insist on alternative medicine. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you what you're asking for, but also some real medicine. You, you have to take the conventional medicine alongside it. Mm-hmm. I think that's very smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she talks about where Western medicine goes wrong. It plays catch up. Um, because all the spiritual answers came first. And if we just listen to our spiritual intuition, these problems would mm. go away. She keeps calling NASA NASA. 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 Like every time. So it wasn't a huh. just a weird slip of the tongue. Every time. NASA. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 
Sounds very nasal. Yeah, or, or British. Yeah, what's the affectation for? Interesting. Yeah, she seems to think that's how it's pronounced. Nasal. Nasal. She shows us the James Webb telescope, the NASA telescope, and all its beautiful photos. And yeah, like, science yeah. is pretty cool, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, those are great photos. I love what she's willing to take from science selectively. Yep. Um, she says, whether you look at the NASA telescopes or... At the work I do in the Vedic field, the two complement each other. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I'm sure NASA is so glad. R- roughly equivalent. <laughs> yeah, we got the James Webb telescope on one hand, but you do have uh, Deborah King's Vedic visions on the other. I, f- I picture her like reaching out a hand toward the NASA <laughs> scientists. See, we're in agreement. And the NASA scientists like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> Oh, One of these things is not like the other. Uh, ancient wisdom, of course. We talked about that a little. But we need to follow what the ancients said. The ancients she will totally conflate with just native peoples as they exist today. Oh, they are the ancients. Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly the same. Um, and then she mentions a guy called Wilford Buck. Hmm. And I hadn't heard of him. He has a Wikipedia entry. She said... I've heard of Wilford Brimley. True. <laughs> Not him. Um, She says, he would tell you he's Native American. And I thought, that's weird wording. Yeah. Would he be right? I don't know. Well, he his Wikipedia seems to indicate so. I didn't look more into him, but it just seems like a weird way to say it. What a weird way to introduce somebody. Yeah. Oh, did she mention Avatar when you saw her? Uh, Not that I recall. Oh, girl loves Avatar. But I can see that being her jam, totally. Yeah. And a new movie's come out since uh, last time. Oh, right. Okay. Way of Water. Well, in 2009, she was really disappointed that it didn't win Best Picture. It was the Best Picture of that year. And boy, she related to those people, the Navi. They were her brothers, her sisters. Oh, I could see that. She's like, Avatar 2, you got to see it. There are two Avatar rides over in the Animal Kingdom Park. And um, for the first time, I went in the one where you ride around in a little boat through their environment. And Mm. there's like a, well, they're all super tall. There's a super tall kind of healing woman towards the end who's singing. And I could see Deborah King just being so enraptured. I I could see her just getting right back in that 70 minute line. Like I I need to experience that again. Aren't they closing Animal Kingdom? Are they? I thought I heard that. No, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. But Avatar, it's so special because it has that profound language of not us versus them, but all of us in community. All right. Sure. Yeah. And then she said Avatar is more proof of something out there, which is an interesting way to see a fictional film. Yeah. Like The Matrix gets used. I feel like Avatar is filling that role in this new decade. It has something to tell me. She talks about the 70s quite a bit in this talk. She said it's so interesting to her that so much of this stuff is from the 70s. I don't know. Something about that really struck me. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's just when you kind of started your journey and some things got baked in then. Because the 70s don't really stick out to me as someone who, you know, follows the new age trajectory. Maybe just certain um, talking points originated around then. Aquarius. Age of Aquarius and all that. Yeah. 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 So her teaching... Her teaching will take up a lot of this talk. She talks about sort of the history of the teaching. She's, again, very vague about who taught her. She has an energy healing school now. And she says, I'm looking for successors for my legacy. Oh, okay. And is this distinct from her other school that she's had going for a while? 
No, I think she's talking about the same okay. school. Yeah. Energy school, okay. Um, which is in Ojai, I believe. Okay, but it should be in Ohio. She needs to be closer to the center <laughs> yeah, of the United yeah, States. Fair. <laughs> I guess Ojai is slightly more inland than here. She's on her way. <laughs> she was in Westlake Village before. At this rate. She's <laughs> creeping her she way might, over there. Might hit Bakersfield eventually. <laughs> So her first workshop was in Malibu with 10 people in the room, and she points at the back of this room at Conscious Life Expo 2023, and she Carrie's says- gesticulating over towards her door. <laughs> yes. And she says, John back there was there the very first time I did my healing with these 10 people in Malibu. John was there. And she John. gestures at a man who's presumably named John. He waves his hand, and she's like, he's a TV star. So I turn to look at him. I don't recognize him, but all I've heard is John. Yeah. But so he, everybody look it up on IMDb, John. <laughs> Let us know John. Who, who this person is. Um, but he calls out and he says, you saved my life. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wonder what was wrong. That's quite the testimonial. She mentions that her students get an audio and video message of her voice and her lessons every week. So maybe... Have you gotten any of those, or is that a? Paid I'm not thing? even a student, and yeah, yeah. I, okay. She sends out regular like video links and stuff like that. Okay, but I'm sure I'd get more if I signed up for her school. Well, if you want to be her student, some examples of people who come to her to be her students include people with depression, people in recovery from breast cancer, and people with weight issues. That uh, captures a lot of people. Yep. Such, it felt like a very random assortment. Yeah, what a weird list of target audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So next, she's going to do some healings. Good. And it seems like the healing is largely centered around us finding our purpose, but also she's going to do some energy healings of physical illness. Those two things are kind of in the same package somehow. Okay. Our first volunteer is a man named Aresh. I think he kind of forced his way up. She didn't really call on him. He just oh. sort of appears. Okay. But she accepts that and she says, okay, the first thing I've got to do is get out of his visual field. You never want to look right at your guest because you're shooting this big beam of energy. And I guess you just kind of want to shoot it around them. Interesting. Um, okay. She says it's too dangerous and too invasive to look right in their eyes. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that's what the uh, the other folks were doing to her with their eyes, but okay. Yeah. So he's like, hey, do I need to take this off? And he points to a necklace he's wearing that's an enormous pendant <laughs> that's connected to his iPhone. It's just something he bought at Conscious Life Expo. <laughs> and Carrie jumps up and she says, yes, it's an eyesore. <laughs> No, give it to me. Oh, okay. Um, I'll walk off with it. Um, so I'm going to show you. He's holding it so you can see the size of it from the shape of his and hand. And it's connected it's to huge. his phone? Yeah. Like he's holding onto it so I can't really tell how big it is. But yeah. It looks- it's probably like five or six inches across. Um, yeah. And when he pulls it out, you can see that this little cord is connected to his phone in his pocket. Sometimes I just wonder <laughs> if these vendors are like, can I get people to wear this? Right. Totally. Wouldn't that be funny if someone wore this like (laughs) on their neck but also plugged it in? Uh, How uncomfortable would that be? You'd trip on it all the time. Right. So he's like, should I take this off? (laughs) And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) that's a Taurus energy field generator. That's going to interfere with your thymus, which is the main thing I'm looking at. But I just just bought it from a well-meaning gentleman downstairs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he moves that out of the way. 
She looks for vectors behind him because... Oh, you got to check for the vectors. <laughs> you got to look for vectors because they attach to you... I'm so glad she's aware of this. <laughs> they attach to you yeah, yeah, when they someone do. has an unkind thought so about you. So true. Yep. <laughs> the vectors. Yep. <laughs> and then she asks him how his meditation practice is going. Okay. And he says, it's going well. I do a lot of it. I mostly do transcendental meditation. She says, oh, good, good, good. She hasn't asked him, like, what's up with you? Like, what's wrong with you? Oh, Why are yeah. you up here? He doesn't say anything. She gets a high G from her synth player. Mm-hmm. She says, can I get a high G? That's what the guides are asking her for. Yeah. He plays it out. It swells. She says, I wait for the tone. We all wait. And then she says, Amazing. So that has not changed. The moi is in place. And then she turns to us and she says, that's that beam of light I was talking about. Wow. Now you've experienced it. I have not seen a beam of light, but okay. Oh, right. Good point. Yep. Well, it's invisible, but it looks like this. (laughs) Good point. Then there is a volunteer two. She's a woman. Her name is Charlie. And so when she comes up, she's got this kind of bubbly personality. And so Deborah says, oh, you have a lot of air quality. I know about the air people. You are mostly air. And they ascend a little more quickly usually. So she says she's going to drop in and look at her soul. She sees her soul's life history many lifetimes. This woman says she does do meditation. Okay, good, good, good. That's in place because Deborah is not going to do a healing on someone who doesn't do meditation. No, no, no. That's dangerous. Um, oh, okay. And then she feels something swelling in this woman. And she's like, oh, I feel a train coming. I, I need support. I need support for what I sense coming. Linda, Michelle, come oh, up here. Calling up the students. Yep. So her two advanced students come up. They're, you know, they're supporting her. They've got her hands uh, uh, outstretched. And okay, we're here for what's coming. Oh. Deborah goes, more. And I'm told by the guides to stop. And there you have it. Okay. So the guides told her not to heal Charlie. Yeah, or that's enough. No, it was that she couldn't do it. Because later she asked a Q&A question. And Deborah clarifies, like, no, I was told to stop. The guides told me not to heal you. You might be in a different place next Hmm. week or next month, next year. But right now you are not ready for Mm. it. Then she breaks for Q&A a little bit. Uh, She asks if anybody has a question. So someone asks her, so when you sense all this, do you hear something? Yeah. And she says, oh, yeah, my auditory channel is my best channel. Now, yours might be something else, visual, feeling in your gut, especially new students. They mostly just feel a feeling in their gut, their intuition. Okay. But our body's always right. You might turn off your intuition as kids because your parents, like, tell you not to be seeing paranormal spirits and stuff so you turn it off Mm. but we need to turn it back on you can be psychic you can know when you're being cheated on you can know if your child is in trouble listen to that intuition and act on it don't like wait for evidence interesting little fears that she dropped in there that Mm. we can address with these abilities oh yeah it starts to sound being cheated on yeah Mm -hmm. where are your children yeah yeah also seems like it could easily play into paranoia So she said, my auditory channel developed a little later. At first, she just felt that gut intuition thing. Mm -hmm. Someone asks if you could have pieces of different star systems in your DNA or if you're just from one star system. Yeah, okay. Great question. Yeah. Um, What if your mom is from one star system, your dad's from a different one? Good point. That's so basic. (laughs) 
<laughs> I did not think of that. Um, so she said, probably. You probably can have them from more than one. It seemed like she had never dealt with this question. Yeah, she never was like, yeah, I guess before. so. Hmm. Yeah. One person said, oh, when you were doing the energy, I could feel it in my body. And even though I wasn't up there on the stage, I felt it moving through me. And I think I was acting kind of weird because my muscles were moving. And oh. do you have any suggestions for me so I don't look weird? <laughs> and Deborah said, oh, you're asking the wrong person if uh, you don't want to look weird. That's cute. A question asker said, um, so I love that you bring the analytical mind into it because you have the law background, but it's such a spiritual practice. So when you say you're in a different state of consciousness, what do you feel and how do you know? Okay. Great. Yeah. And she Specific said- Specific question. I like it. Yep. And so she said, well, because I can't do this if I'm not in that state. I can tell somewhere along the way, I taught myself to step into it. And it's just this very slightly altered- just enough that I can expand my field as big as the room right now. And I can't do that all day, but I can do it for a couple hours. It takes a lot of energy and I can just kind of tell when I'm in the state. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, oh my God, then this poor woman, this woman gets up. Her name is Amanda. Lord. So Amanda is a Portuguese Mexican woman wearing a headscarf. I don't think she raised her hand. I think Deborah. Even though there were raised hands, I yeah. think Deborah singled her out and called her up. <laughs> so this woman who's like notably darker skinned than Deborah King gets up there and she doesn't really say anything about any complaints she has in her body. But Deborah immediately intuits that what Amanda needs is for <laughs> it's for Deborah to honor her ancestors. Oh, okay. So Deborah starts bowing to her. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> She's backing up oh, no. and bowing and going, honoring the ancestor, honoring the ancestor, honoring the ancestor. But he's like, why do I go to these conventions? Oh my God, the look on Amanda's face is so blase. Oh, Just no. so like... Well, this is what's happening now. <laughs> I'm not going to destroy this event, yeah. so I'm just going to stand here. And wait for it to end. And then when it's done, Deborah like reaches out to hug her, and the woman's already turned away, but she turns back and is like, yeah, yeah, and hugs her. <laughs> oh, my God, it was so uncomfortable. Oh, poor Amanda. <laughs> but, of course, she does the moi thing to her. Poor Amanda. <laughs> There's her honoring her ancestor. Okay. Amanda looks on. Yeah, Amanda doesn't look thrilled. (laughs) Then she does a healing of Todd. Todd needs to clear something in his base chakra. Again, no information he gives her about what's wrong. Interesting. She can just sense sense that. Yeah, I wonder if uh, she's just kind of realized it's not worth the trouble of trying to pretend to diagnose someone or like get their actual ailment and just to kind of go with your intuition. Yeah, this seems smarter. Mm Mm-hmm. So Deborah asks for a middle C. That's obviously what he needs. Oh. But then she asks him about his meditation and he says, oh, I haven't been doing it. And that oh, she is. She can't heal him. Uh, yeah. Hello. Why did you come up here? Um, so she says, oh, then yes, that makes sense. This base is not strong enough for me to work on. You need a meditative base. Yeah, there's an there's an at-home program for my meditations, but you definitely need a daily meditation. It's not that hard, you guys, okay? Just hmm. block out everything and do this like for 20 minutes a day at least. Um, and then she just sends him back. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You must be this tall to ride. 
<laughs> right. The next person who raises her hand is someone named Cindy. So Deborah calls on her and then says, oh, no, that's Cindy. No, 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 no. You can't come up. She's trying to slip in. Um, oh, this is like a, a known enemy or saboteur. It sounds that way. But then she says, she's one of my advanced students. Oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I'm also like, she can't ask a question. She's paying you like $10,000. She can't ask a Q&A question at your event. Weird. Right? Yeah. Like, I paid nothing, but you're going to answer mine? You know, I don't know. Seems weird. Huh. But also the name Cindy stuck out to me because there is a Cindy in Truth Heals. Because partway through this book, Deborah King lets us know that she has multiple personalities. She has a, a woman who lives in her mind named Cindy who holds all of her bad memories about her dad abusing her. Oh, that's specific. Oh, yeah. interesting. That's, I mean, that's... It just the, happens to be the name of the student. Yeah, just a coincidence, I assume. Yeah, this um, book is from 2009, so it's been around for 14 years. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think there's an actual connection. But the name reminded me, um, and this is the lore of multiple personality disorder. Part of it is they, the alters hold the memory for you so you don't have to interact with it. Okay. Anyway, Cindy reminded me of that. Okay. Next uh, person who comes up is named Sylvia. She's wearing a shirt that says Zen as fuck uh, <laughs> or Zen AF. And she has like the most shit eating little grin on her face. I th- I don't think she's that into Deborah King. I really? think she's a little, a little bit of a scallywag. <laughs> so she gets up and she's like smiling to herself and her friends in the audience. And she keeps like looking at her friend and it's very like, <laughs> I did it. I got up here. That's right. But Deborah, of course, has made a commitment not to look in this woman's eyes. So we're seeing her like little shit grinning little oh. <laughs> little uh, performance. And um, Deborah seems totally unaware of she's this. She's the one who opens her eyes during prayer. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So as she's kind of wiggling around, smiling, Deborah's like, oh, you have great energy. <laughs> um, and she asks her her last name. And this woman gives a uh, Latin American last name. And Deborah replies okay yes i'm picking up on your ancestors oh no (laughs) where are they from and the woman says mexico and she's like i knew it (laughs) i felt it why didn't you say it yep and then she says uh you have a real prominent guide he's four or five thousand years old he's male oh and then she merges her field with this volunteer She's waiting on guidance for where to go. And then she says, do you have any trauma? Someone in the audience brings a microphone up to the volunteer. And the volunteer says, "Uh, sure. And she says, can you name it? There's one really pronounced one here. Oh. And this woman's like talking into a microphone. Putting her on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Microphone to like 300 people. Tell me your trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Your your dark secret past event that's uh, making your life really difficult. Yep. Share it with everybody right now. So she says, uh grief and she goes "Uh uh-uh trauma she says okay uh well that's what i would say grief and and deborah says i'm picking up childhood trauma oh no and the woman says okay yeah um uh physical and sexual abuse oh and now you know this woman who sure was like having a laugh when she came up mm-hmm. but now like her whole face falls and she looks embarrassed and you oh know she's goodness. been forced to disclose this thing oh my goodness also now I don't we're know talking what... about it on a podcast right yeah well i won't show her picture or anything but yeah and then 
And and I'm thinking like, oh, Deborah, and then Deborah's memories of same are recovered. Mm. So, you know, now this woman's like interacting with this woman. This person whose memories we presume are true is interacting with this person who presumably has questionable memories about mm-hmm. the same stuff. It's just so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Layers um, of discomfort. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Deborah says, oh, yes, I, I knew that. Of course, yes, sexual abuse, yes. But notice I won't name it. I make my guests say it because they may not be ready to hear about it and it has to come from them. Hmm. So she's thinking my guest might have a repressed memory of sexual abuse, but I'm not going to tell her. Oh, okay. And, oh, God. Um, oh, man, yeah, lots of issues there. But in order to fix this, don't worry. Deborah removed the perpetrator energy left in her body. All fixed. And goes, Mwah! <laughs> and then the woman leaves. <laughs> You're De- welcome. <laughs> Deborah says, That was easy for me to pick up on. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. We have a person whose guide is an angel named Metatron. Oh, yeah. Oh, have you heard this? Yeah, yeah I've, I just feel like Metatron comes up every now and then. They, oh, okay. They like that it's name. Such it's a computer it's, name. Yeah, I know. It should be the Metatron 2000. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good name. And then a woman from India comes up, like actually currently lives in India, and Deborah is like, oh, I felt the Hindu gods descend on you right away. Sure, of course you did, Deborah. And then we go to Q&A again. Then someone asked, well, you mentioned that Reiki is bad. <laughs> um, yeah. should, we, should we remove our own Reiki blocks? How can we do that? And she says, no, you can't do that yourself. But if you want it, I can do it right now for anybody who's received Reiki. I can remove all the Reiki symbols from everyone in this room, but you have to volunteer. So if you want me to remove your Reiki symbols, stand up. Oh, my goodness. And probably 100 people stood up. I hope you didn't. You should keep your... <laughs> I didn't. Your well, I actually, I stood up to take a video, but I didn't <laughs> face her. <laughs> so I think that doesn't count. Um, As if it would make any difference. <laughs> I want my symbols. Um, but wow, that's wild. It's like kind of removing your spiritual tattoos from a different... Uh, healer yeah 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 and like what you gonna do like there's plenty of reiki practitioners at this conference which you can go to their booths and talk them out of it yeah it feels very much like vetoing the last spiritual guide Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but she says if you decide that you want the symbols back you have two weeks to call for them again because they'll be in your outer energy field so you can still just decide you want them back don't worry about it but she has us she has people stand up And she says, I send the Reiki symbols embedded in you back to source, back to source. And so it is. And everybody applauds the people brave enough to get rid of their Reiki symbols. Okay, okay. And that was it. That was the end. Okay. She just, she kind of got called off for the next thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure ran out of time because uh, they, they run a tight ship there at the Conscious Life Expo. They sure do. And then if you try to stick around in a room, they're like, no. Yeah, get out of here. Put your cameras away. Don't talk to the speaker. Go away. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. And so I did. Fascinating. That's what I learned about Deborah King. Thanks for sharing. Okay. I know more about her now. Good. Yeah. I, I feel more convinced that Deborah King is sincere. Not that we doubted that per se, but mm-hmm. I feel more convinced that and a little more convinced that like 
something's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just in terms of her physicality and mental state. Yeah. 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 Which, okay. you know, she gets to decide what she wants her reaction to that information to be. Yeah. On yeah. on some level, I feel like that's um, a mitigating factor that it wasn't just somebody deciding like, hey, this is kind of a racket. I can get into the spiritual mm-hmm. field and there's money to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with some real experience phenomena on yeah. her part. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I can kind of believe that she doesn't have much of a lineage to her teachings. If she's just having spontaneous experiences that feel spiritual, which yeah. I could totally believe, Does, then it kind of makes sense that you kind of wouldn't wouldn't adopt any particular teachers along the way. Yeah. It does yeah. sound like she's tiptoeing around uh, naming names, though. Or, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. For whatever reason. Well, all right. That's it. That's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Yes, please do. Thank you to everybody who supports us. You can also leave us a positive review. You can tell a friend about us. Share an episode. Tell Deborah King. Yeah, tell her. Why not? And yeah, Deborah, if you want to come on the show, I will gladly talk to you and want to know more about those visuals. Totally. Where are they coming from? Totally. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Tell us about those slides. And remember. And I want to introduce you to your star ancestor. You have one. We'll go to the top of our heads and we'll feel our crown chakra right at the top of our heads. That big ball of golden white light. And we'll just bring it down, down, down and put it right in our heart. And just keep breathing that light in and go with me on a little voyage to Lake Titicaca. Where our star ancestors taking us right now. So there we are in Peru at the lake. You can take a look at it here if you're having trouble visualizing it. And you no longer are restricted into a 3D body. Just know that your vibratory frequency has increased so you can drop with me right into this fifth dimensional city. Beautiful, beautiful city that it is underwater. No problem. We're perfectly happy down here. We feel great. We hear their music. We're just at peace. It's so ethereal. This is the home of the illuminated ones, the the brotherhood of the seven rays. It's a fifth dimensional city. Again, not visible if we took diving equipment and went down there. We wouldn't see it. And this is where they hid the golden disk of Maru. This is what happened when uh, Lemuria and Atlantis sunk. They, they hid the golden disk down there. Save it for the, for the uh, visitors from, from other, other realms. So... Um, And this is where they stored the sacred scrolls. Again, they're there. You just have to have a fifth dimensional access to visit. I'm Ify Wadiway, the host of Maximum Film. I'm Alonzo Duralde, also the host of Maximum Film. And I'm Drea Clark, yet another host of Maximum Film. 
Every week, we host Huddle Up, usually with an illustrious guest, and we talk about films. We have film news. We have film quizzes. We answer your film questions. It's like the maximum amount of film talk. That's why we call it Maximum Maximum Film. Film. (laughs) Maximum Film, the movie podcast that's not just a bunch of straight white guys. New episodes weekly on MaximumFun.org. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.